Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Ari Shafir's Skeptic Tank, episode 191. I'm Ari Shafir. Um, this is a, another one of those album commentary podcasts where, I don't know if you've heard the ones we did in the past, we take a um, an album from some comedian and we just go over and we talk about all the, uh, the details of it, the making of it. Sort of just like a, uh, I don't know, the way I'd like to see, uh, the way I do see books being discussed. I like to do that with uh, with comedy albums. And so this one, we did one with Tom Segura. We, me. I did one with Tom Segura, uh, Kreischer, uh, myself. Um, that was the first one. I, my own Revenge for the Holocaust CD, which was the first episode of this year. Um, so this one is Steve Simone. He has an album called Remember This. And what separates this commentary episode from the others is that... Steve's album is out tomorrow. It's the only one we're doing that's currently out. So you can order it right now on iTunes. Uh, It's called Remember This by Steve Simone. It's available on iTunes right now. Um, And we're also, at his generosity, at his generous behest, I don't know what a lot of those words mean, uh, I said, yeah, let's just do the commentary track right now. We'll just do it at the same time. So if you guys like this, if you enjoy it, go... um, Go buy his album. It's available on iTunes. Um, and if you don't use iTunes or you don't want to get it because you just heard it all here, but you don't want to get it complete, uh, go leave him a comment on iTunes anyway. Rate it. Give it a five-star rating. Help him move up in the ratings and stuff. That's the least you could do. Also, he has a donate button on his on his website, awesomesteve.com. If you'd like to throw him a few bucks for the free uh, gesture, go right ahead. I'm going to take his donate button and put it on the podcast from this week. Um, so you can click there too it'll go, go to Steve Simone I think that's really cool that he's going to do an album that's out right now and he's like you know what fine let's just let's go let's go let's, let's discuss it let's get it out there um, yeah, I think a lot of people would have balked at that so it's, it's pretty fucking cool um, I'm recording this from Maui from on Maui it's not in Maui that's what I've discovered from the city of Lanai uh, this fucking uh, beach Kalapalolulu beach definitely not the name god it's relaxing here you guys i did my special on wednesday and i flew here on thursday for the maui comedy festival could not have been timed any better all this work with getting the special put together and then on top of like the storyteller show that i'm editing constantly it was just like yeah i need to get out i was off the grid Oh, it felt good. Just beach and sky. Like I'm looking right now, the mountains going right up into the f- fucking clouds. I was I got no shirt on, sitting on the ocean on my left. Some golf course. Oh, the ancient TWA bird flying overhead. That's just so relaxing out here. Everything shuts down. Everything shuts down at like at like ten. It's all done. The pool closes at 8 here. The hot tub closes at 10. And it's not like it shouldn't be open. It's like gets as a low of like 73, 74 at night. They could definitely leave it all open. Maui's just real relaxed. They have this uh, Halloween they call like the Mardi Gras of Hawaii. Massive par- par- parade and party. We went out there. It's like, you know, it's like 15,000 people there. I mean, there's a lot of people. But like, it was like a time Times Square on like a weekday. But in busy season. In busy season, but still, a weekday. 
Um, no, nah, it was more than that. It was like 6th Street on a regular Friday. 6th Street in Austin. Um, but the, the album... Oh, no, back to me. So that'll be this episode. My special, paid regular, is done. I did it. The feeling I got as we were about to go up and start the first show, Kevin Christie finished his warm-up set. And then Jeff Scott, the piano player, is playing me up. Oh, just as I was walking there. Wow, what a great feeling. What a great feeling. Looking out and knowing that I was doing my special there. Fucking sweet. So thank you to all of you guys who came. It went great. I got the lights way down like I liked. Yeah, I mean, I just did it as a... It was, just, it was like a set. It was like a set. So I'm excited to see how it comes out. I haven't seen the, the footage yet. I just went straight to, straight to Maui. I haven't looked at any of it, but it felt great from the first show. From the opening of the first show, it was just like, oh, these guys are in. This is going to be me doing my comedy in the room I'm most relaxed in in the world. I performed there more than maybe almost everywhere else combined. Nah, not after the last year and a half in New York. That's not, it's not true anymore. Oh, I don't even want to hit stop to start this recording, you guys. That's how relaxed I am. Shirt off, obviously. Living my life. My flight's at 10 p.m. tonight. I'm all about chillax. Went, went snorkeling during the day. Oh, broke my finger yesterday, boogie boarding. Rolling over one of the other comedians. You should have seen my storyteller show. Nobody, nobody wanted to be there. Nobody, here are the highlights from the festival, the Mallet Comedy Festival. Highlight one, Kyle Kinane. Everybody was talking about him. Every set I saw him do was great. And every set that I wasn't at, people were talking about how great he was. Kyle Kinane, highlight one, crushed it. Far away, the, the, the dominant comic. Next, Maui. Super highlight. God, it was fun. Any, any comic who gets the chance to come here, it'd be, you'd be, you get to come with a bunch of other comedians. Some people brought their girlfriends or their, or their boyfriends, and that was okay. It was okay. Most of them were smart enough to bring people that were like already knew a few people. It wasn't like they were going to be all alone. God, it was fun. So by the time my storytelling show started, I just I didn't want to go up. No one did. But it was fun. It was in this pizza place called Pie that we all ate out every night. Mark Norman fucking crushed maybe 35 pizzas. Shang Wang was a bottomless pit. Oh, let's start the episode. I'm just too relaxed to start this. Um, all right, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I need to do some dates real quick. Uh, I'll be doing a few shows at the New York Comedy Festival this week. Um, David Tell's Comedy Underground on Tuesday, the 4th. Then on the 6th, I have my This Is Not Happening Storyteller show. Uh, Mike Lawrence is going to be the last comedian. He was fucking great in Montreal. But there's only a few tickets left, so, you know, whatever. Buy them or don't. I don't care. Um, and then the 10th, I'm doing the, ro- I mean the 8th, I'm doing the roast battle against Big J Oakerson, who's been talking a lot of trash about me lately. And if he thinks it's going to go... Fucking, I didn't know the word. Unjustified? No. No. 
if he thinks there will be no retribution, he's quite wrong because there will be retribution. And it will be in the form of roasts at the roast battle November 8th at the Gramercy. Um, and I think that's it. And then for us in November, I got uh, Wise Guys in Utah and Salt Lake City. Wise Guys. Uh, and then uh, the Comedy Mix in Vancouver. The weeks of the 14th and the uh, and the 20th. Oh. Wow. All right. Let's start the episode. Um, I'm telling you guys the feeling I got from doing that special. And all the comedians were there. All the other comics were there. So they all got to hang out and see it from upstairs in the belly room. Everyone was just hanging out. It's kind of like the comedy store at one, too. It's kind of like the comedy store at also one. Like the place itself was being showcased. The place itself was doing a special, you know, where all the store comics were sort of like bragging about it. Like, yeah, that's right. It's art. That's right. It's this place now. Well, we've been here. It's a good feeling. Joe Rogan came back. First time in the comedy store in seven years. Came the night before because he didn't want to make it a weird, like, extra big deal right at my taping. Came, went to the roast battle upstairs. That same roast battle where Big J Okerson will be eating a fat dick. At the hand of my words. Um, loved it and then came to my special. It was fucking great. It was great to see him. He hasn't been there in seven years. Anyway, uh, the whole experience, whole experience was, was great. <sighs> All right, let's start the episode. Ari Shafir, Skeptic Tank, episode 191. Remember this with Steve Simone. With Steve Simone. No, remember this by Steve Simone with Steve Simone. Yeah, that's going to be it. Remember this by Steve Simone. No, Steve Simone's Remember This with Steve Simone. Yeah. Okay. Also, go to iTunes. Remember, leaving that, leaving that. Uh, rating and 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 uh, five star review and stuff. All right, episode one ninety one. Steve Simone's remember this with Steve Simone. Here we go. So, I'm here with Steve Simone. What's up, Ari? I'm going to do the introduction beforehand. Okay. Introduction. Um, so, let's do it. Let's do this CD review. Yeah, it's going to... I'm nervous. Thank you for doing it. Because I respect your opinion on... More than anything, like all yeah. the stuff we were talking about, like marketing, are people going to buy it? Or are they not going to buy it? Who yeah. cares? I'm more concerned about your opinion of the comedy respect itself. Respect the peers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird when you're like, is everybody going to hate it? I don't care if it does bestseller. Yeah. I don't want to be Dane Cook. Right. I just wanna, wanted people to go, oh, I, my biggest fear has always been to be misunderstood. Yeah. And it was like, I, Lord, don't let me be, be misunderstood. misunderstood. I don't care if people like it as long as they understand my point of view. Yeah. And I do, what I like most about the CD is about 20 minutes in, 25 minutes in, I get into a very natural rhythm because by that point I'm connected with the audience uh-huh. and I took them on a journey it took 50 minutes, 55 minutes of us hanging out together, me and the audience, to get to that closing bit 
which is the only thing I really care about. Closing bit, that feel, that feeling. Yeah, that closing bit where I talked about. I really think that connection with people. Yeah, let's just love each other more and judge each right. other less, and we're all in this together. Because yeah. that's if if that's the only thing I'll ever be able to do with my life. Yeah, take comedy out of it. But if I could just remind people that there are certain joys to mm-hmm. be had, these little things in life that are awesome that we all can connect and bond over. Yeah, that ultimately can get us to see each other as lovable beings and that we should just love each other more yeah and i have no idea how i became a hippie i don't know because where... of all the mushrooms you take <laughs> yeah i don't know how it happened it's because definitely of all the mushrooms you've never taken but you know what i mean like if the the whole hour uh or it's i think that closing bit's about 10 minutes yeah it's 10 and the cd's like 106 105 105. so it took that long with a room full of strangers where i could get that honest yeah yeah it's weird though it's not like you like aren't doing well up to that time it's just that i know what you mean like once you get a connection with them like okay you know me now yes you might have been laughing really hard after 15 minutes correct you didn't know me then right now you know me yes and i felt like about and i I, i've been a student of comedy i was like a little chubby kid that just wanted to make people laugh i I just wanted to feel loved as a kid and i thought that um comedy was my was my way of giving and receiving love yeah and it was my way that I was accepted. And I broke down a lot of specials intuitively as a kid. Like I remember Bill Cosby himself, and he opens up with like the drinking stuff. Mm-hmm. That's about 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Uh, another special I loved was Delirious, where Eddie Murphy's doing like kind of like dirtier stuff for 15 or 20 minutes. Then he goes into his stories. Interesting. And then I noticed that it happened almost subconsciously that like I open up with uh, the Chinese food bit on this thing. Yeah. And that lasts about 15 or 20 minutes. But then there's a point, and we'll talk about it in the podcast, but then there's a point when I listened to the CD, there was a different kind of laugh. And when we get to it, I'll share it, because it was an improvised line. Yeah. but it, So the line wasn't that funny. It was the fact that at 15, 20 minutes, it was 22 minutes in maybe, that I was really connected with them that night in that club. That after about 22 minutes, we were on the same same wavelength. And it wasn't the funniest thing, but I think it has the longest laugh on the CD. Because we were all finally... Yeah, coming together. Together, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Actually, you know what, in terms of like relating to a crowd after that long? That's... Um, all right, man, I'm going to turn this on. What's it called? Um, that's when Rogan and Mencia thing happened. They'd already seen Rogan for an hour. Yeah, and so after that, it was like when Mencia is like, "Well, you should side with me." The crowd was like, "No, no, no! We just got to know this guy. Yes, we know him now, and we're friends with him. And you're yes. just some guy we've seen on TV. Yes, but he's now our friend. Yeah, it's interesting that like there's a there is that dynamic in the club where it's like you want to make the audience laugh. The more you make them laugh, the more they trust you. And then as an artist, I think you can get more and more vulnerable and mm-hmm. let them see more and more of you. Yeah, the more honest you get to, the more trust they trust you. Yeah, Beyond just laughing. Beyond Correct. But you can't just open jokes. up with that. Right. You can't just so be like, did- these are my insecurities. Yeah. Audiences will be like, whoa. It'd be like oh, right, 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 right. the Sebastian bit. One of my favorite old school Sebastian bits was about dating mm-hmm. and about how girls open up too much right away. Yeah. <laughs> I was raped. And Sebastian goes, tonight? <laughs> Like there's there's a certain why are you bring this up right right now? now yeah and it's the same thing with comedy you have to tonight. build this trust I guess yeah that's that was almost word. a double meeting at Sebastian like were you raped tonight and also like tonight you're bringing it up 
Like, this is the moment you choose? You know what? I never even thought about that. Me neither, that. until right now. That's so funny. It's like, tonight we're doing, it's a date one. He's so funny, He's dude. maybe the best. I think he is right now. He's up there. It's tough to say that somebody is the best. It seems to, it starts fights for no reason. Yeah. But like, man, he's so good. Yeah, he is. Uh, okay, so let's talk about this CD. Mm-hmm. Where'd you do it, first of all? La Jolla Comedy Store. La Jolla Comedy Store. What's your relation to the La Jolla Comedy Store, for the people who don't know? I, of course, do know. Okay. I love that place. Yeah. Um, I love it for many reasons. Number one, it's one of the few clubs that'll let me headline. Right. <laughs> so let's, sure. let's, let's be really honest. Okay. It's one of the few places that, and they have let me headline. So there is, I have kind of like, not, I won't go as far to say that they're fans, but there are people that come out to see me there. You have a fan base. Um, yeah. La Jolla was the first place that I got um, a, sort of a, a following. Yeah, San right. Diego. And it wasn't because, I mean, there was zero credits. Right. It was pre, every, pre-internet. But- um, it was like people were like, oh yeah, we've seen you before. We, we come back yes. to see you again. And that's yeah, when I was awesome. a feature and an MC. Absolutely. Same as you. People, they have regulars and they're like, we like that guy. Let's go see him again. Exactly. And there are people that are like, I remember, they'll remember stuff I did 10 years ago. Yeah. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so there's that reason why I chose La Jolla. Yeah. Uh, and then also it, to me, it's my favorite room because it's very similar to the original room of the comedy store. Yeah. But with a more positive attitude, if that it's makes more positive. any sense. It's more happy-go-lucky. There's no darkness there. Yeah. San Diego is one of my all-time favorite places in the world because of that. And the people should be in a good mood, man. Yeah. You live in San Diego. Yeah. Everything's great. We're everything just talking about is Chargers great. games. Even when they lose, there's no fights at Chargers games. Those mm-hmm. are Raiders games. When the Chargers, even when they lose, they go, wow, you got it this time, buddy. We'll get yeah. you next time. Yeah. You want to get a beer? Yeah, because life is that good. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's too bad our sports team didn't win. But yeah, all right, look I'm at go these women, the- and they're, they're in a good mood. Yeah. It's like the hottest chicks ever. That and they're also happy because they're not like they're they they're willing sun. to eat a sandwich. Yeah, exactly. They don't need to. They're like they're not worried about auditions. They're not worried about becoming famous. They're just like it's I'm great. the result of genetic programming that took to- <laughs> winners mated with winners mated with winner because it's like an like. It's expensive to live there. It's never cold. It's always the beach. It's the yeah. California I always dreamed of. Yeah, not LA is not the California like Cali, bro. That's no, that's more like Sacramento and San Diego and yeah. really San Diego, San the Diego, beach, the beach. And that was the uh, one of the jokes no. that somehow got edited out of this to get it down to an hour. But I usually open up with that when I go to San Diego. I tell them why I love it so much. Oh, really? Because as a little kid, I saw Fast Times at Richmond High. Yeah. And I just thought that was the epitome of what cool was. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, you can order a pizza to your classroom. <laughs> yeah. Was that San Diego? No. That was, was supposed to be Chicago, right? It, Illinois somewhere? No. Fast Times was, I think it was Van Nuys. Oh, really? Yeah. I think it was Van Nuys High School they shot that. It was oh. supposed to be Los Angeles. It was. Yeah. Okay. But I think the I book. The mall. The mall was in the, in the valley. Yeah. And I think the mall was the Sherman Oaks Galleria yeah, so. before it got demolished. I think so. There's a few different places that were like, oh, this was in it as a different place. Yes. And I think Cameron Crowe actually infiltrated a high school in San Diego. Oh. And that's where all those characters Research. came from. Yeah. Because Cameron Crowe's from San Diego. So he wrote it. And what's his name directed it? Amy Heckerling directed. Oh, Amy Heckerling directed. Why did I think that was? What's his name? Who died? John Hughes? Kevin's friend. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, it has a much different tone than a John it Hughes does, movie. It does, but it's like of that feel, like the high school. Yes. I think it was The Wedge Breaker. It was the first to uh, adopt that teenage uh-huh. but then, 80s, like very, I guess that would be Generation X. Think about Spicoli was the first that I remember example of that kind of pothead. 
Spicoli like, yeah, changed everything. Now everyone's just doing an impression of Spicoli, Spicoli. when you do Pothead. Everyone's yeah. just doing that. He researched and said, this is what I want to do. And now everyone's like, yeah, we'll do that one. Yeah. He, he killed it. Yeah. And then in the book, because one year for my birthday, my younger brother bought me the book. Uh-huh. And Damone, who I loved. Yeah, That sure. was my favorite character. And then in, in the book, Mike Damone's from Philadelphia. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's great. And when you met uh, 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 Ron Johnson? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was a nice moment for you and for your friends. All your Philly friends were there from The Slice. Oh, yeah. yeah that was a great night. Yeah. I was like, oh, this. And they're like, hello, Mr. Brown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, He's still Ron, like Ron Johnson. Ron Johnson, audio consultant, Pacific Stereo. <laughs> yeah. So that La Jolla room is a good room. And I, I, I love when the La Jolla comics used to come up to the, uh, LA for the Sunday, Monday, Tuesday yeah. mics. And after they would do not so good, like, welcome to LA, motherfucker. Yeah, it's a different vibe. It ain't, it ain't uh, nice here. It ain't like nope. helping you along. Um, who did the intro? Uh, run is easy. Pretty cool. You got a guy from the league doing yeah, the intro. Yeah, the best. Because this is what a saint Steve Run is easy is. Yeah. I was very concerned that nobody was, because we Nobody's recorded this in the summer. Yeah, that's a It was bad. the only time I could get the date. I literally asked for over a year. To, I was like, dude, you got to headline me. I got to get down there. And wow. Well, and it was Tommy. Yeah. And it's just a frustrating business we chose. So finally a date opens up. But it's a date. F- the weekend after the 4th of July. Oh. And it was the second 4th of July weekend. Week. Yes. Nobody in San Diego. And then they in. switched the show times to an hour earlier. Oh, they did that then? Yeah. I got to switch that back to 8 and 10. Yeah. I get not 8 and 10.30, but 8 and 10 is okay. Come on, man. 8. 7 o'clock eight. in the summer we're trying That's to get crazy. people? Saturday, maybe. Not Friday. Dude. Anyway. So if Run Is Easy wasn't, if Run Is Easy didn't do me that, Amazing gift. I don't even know if I would have had an audience. He is one of the best comedians touring today. He's been all over the world. He's been all over the country. He's the best storyteller I know, and you guys are going to love him. Put your hands together for Mr. Steve Simone! What's up, San Diego? Oh, snap! Wow, thank you, guys. Um, Steve, my buddy, Steve Run is easy. One more time for him. He was wonderful. You guys are awesome. Uh, I am, I'm recording my debut comedy album here tonight in San Diego. And that's, I just want this CD to be fun because, like, people need it. Like, I travel all over the world. People are getting more miserable. Like, thank God it hasn't hit here yet. This is like the last bastion of hope. <laughs> it's gotten so bad in L.A. that if you just walk down the street and smile, people look at you like this. <laughs> look at that dick. <laughs> He's smiling. Right? That's crazy. Like, I get it. We're grown-ups. It's easy to get in a bad mood. I get it. Little things can just set you off. Life's tough when you become a grown-up. But you know what? Little things can put you in a good mood. Yeah. Yeah. So you had that first track as, yeah, it was nice that Renazese will do that and like help fill up an audience for you. Yeah. It's so hilarious when they wanted a location fee. You're like, for what? I filled up your room on a week, on a, get out of here. Shut up, stupid idiots. People. Yeah. Um, People look at you like, what? Is that one of your bits in there? Oh, the smile, the first bit on there. First bit's called smile. Yeah. Which is just what? 
Oh, uh, when you, oh, when you're smiling when you walk down the street. What was the act out? That's what I was going to ask. Show me. Oh, the uh, so the opening bit when I came out, I was talking about San Diego, why I love San Diego. Yeah. When I moved to California, I moved to LA, and I'm like, this isn't the California I dreamed of. Because as a kid, we're the same age, dude. You had fast time skateboarding, surfing, op surf culture. Uh, then op. Uh, 80s heavy metal stuff like Van Halen was always down on the Sunset Strip, strip guys, and like right? yeah, and like Spuds McKenzie in a convertible limo with chicks and bikinis. I'm like, California's going to be awesome. Then in the 90s, it was like straight out of Compton. I'm like, that's in California too. Yeah. So that was the whole joke. And then about and I told a true story about the difference between seeing Van Halen in concert in San Diego versus L.A. Because in L.A. people weren't into it and they were sitting down and we were on the floor. Then down in San Diego, there was, you know, 60 year old men throwing up in the parking lot. I'm like, okay, this is my kind of city. People live. So I go, it's gotten so bad in L.A. is what the CD picks up. I go, it's gotten so bad in L.A. that if you just walk down the street and smile, people look at you like, ugh. Look at like that disgust. Dick. Yeah. <laughs> as if you're and, like fly, as if you're barfed on yourself. And yeah. Like, like I, I definitely feel that in this city that, uh, self respect people resent if you're in a good mood. I love in New York walking down and just like, hello, yeah, talking to somebody that you don't even know, even like a scary looking black guy. And they'll go, hi. Yeah. It's the like, best. Good, good interaction. Yeah. Like for whatever people say about Philadelphia, about being a tough city or a negative city, I was just there this weekend. Mm-hmm. You hold the door for somebody. They smile. They go, thank you very much. Then they hold it for the next person. Right, right, right. And everybody says, please, and thank you. And, may, and they call, okay, hon, like the old lady waitresses. Um, yeah. what you, okay, hon. All right. Is there anything else I can get you? Here, everybody's just miserable. Yeah. Philadelphia's better. And sure, there's occasionally um, some kids gangs who like to murder for hazing. But, you know, small That's price. life, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's a cool first track. And so that's the one you would have done the... Uh, you would have done this San Diego versus LA stuff or like more of like the, what, what La Jolla is. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. pretty standard thing. Everybody does on a CD. Like you can hear wherever they record it. it is. Like, yeah, so weird. I'm in Bloomington. Hey, it's good to be back in it's Denver. Weird, Cause those jokes aren't that original all the time. Cause like, no. like uh, Fahim, we were just driving by, I went to Don Carlos after, the best. after, uh, yeah. Um, after we went to San Diego and then, um, we passed by that Maserati place and the Ferrari place. And he goes, oh, yeah, I always do a joke about how they're right across the street from each other, how rich this place is. And yeah. I was thinking, like, oh, yeah, I've heard a bunch of people do that joke. Because yeah. it goes in your When you pass by a Maserati place across the street from a Ferrari place. Yeah, you go. Of course, you're going to, like, down the street how rich from, you guys are. Yeah, down the street from a Bentley dealership. Yeah. So I wonder if the early tracks on CDs are all, like, the hackiest of everybody's jokes. Yeah. So when the easiest e- edited this, I was like, okay. Oh, yeah. And then I needed to find a way. Because I had recorded a year ago. In San Diego. Mm-hmm. But it was just like a Thursday night one-off show. Mike Vinn did me a solid, promoted the crap out of it. Yeah. But it was such a good crowd. Like, I really do like to play jazz on stage. Yeah. Where I just go up and start talking, and I'm like, I'll weave into my bits. Yeah. But it was such a good crowd. You just went right into that it. That I didn't know. I did an hour, and only about half of it was bits. Oh, so you couldn't. And I went, oh, it. this this is cool, but this isn't a CD. This right, isn't right. like a greatest hits thing. So with this thing, I was like, all right, write out your bits. The order, like a set sheet. Yeah. Open with this, to open to this, open to this. And I was like, do the smile thing. And then it's kind of contrived how I get into it. But I'm like, I get it. It's easy to be miserable, but it's also easy to be happy, which is one of the things I I wanted to share with this. Yeah. And so then you start with this first real bit. Yes. This Chinese food bit. Yeah. First question. Yeah. Why did you... Um, Chinese food is like Christmas. Why that track title? Uh, about could, 
at first the the um, the process of writing this bit yeah. started about a year ago when I had Autistic Thunder over here. Yeah. And we were going to watch wrestling and instead of ordering pizza, he wanted to go get Chinese food. So we recorded wrestling and then we went to a Chinese restaurant. And it brought back all the memories of the Chinese food place. Yeah. So it started as just that. Just it, like, Chinese food is like Christmas. No. That's how it started? No, no. it started it started with like Chinese dude because in LA, everybody goes sued. When they think of Asian food, Chinese food is probably their last option. There's something very old school about yeah. Chinese food because like Thai food's huge here. Sashimi, sushi. F- I don't even. F- yeah. I don't even know how to say that. Yeah. So I was like, we went old school. We did Chinese, and then that got a laugh because people are like, oh yeah, whatever happened to Chinese food? So I built upon that, and then instead of just telling a story, sort of story it was like thirty seconds, twenty yeah. seconds, yeah. and it went to a twenty minute. <sighs> 20 minutes Jesus. over the course of the year. And the most recent stuff was Chinese food is like Christmas, meaning that when you get those takeout menus, you have to come up with a list for Santa Claus. You have to come up with a list for the Chinese guy. And there's pressure subconsciously. You don't, this is your opportunity of fun. This is your, this is your chance to win. Make sure you order the right stuff. Yeah. And that part of the bit doesn't really come through on this. Uh, very clear. Why? How'd you say it? Um, I don't know. Like, cause I don't, I'm not one of those comedians that practices the words. Right, right, right. I just want to get the emotion across. And I think this is a great example of that where this audience is laughing because they're feeling my emotion and they're not laughing at what I'm saying. Yeah. A lot of times people don't understand that when they get, when they want to give notes, any network or any like, any like agent or manager, anybody who's like, here's, you know, here's what I think of your stuff. And they want to be like, this joke didn't work. I think it was too harsh for the crowd. Really? Uh, <laughs> They try to like tell you what words don't work or it's too dirty, but the reality is they don't understand. They don't understand. You just didn't connect with the audience. Correct. They're like that will work, and then you wouldn't have said anything. Yes. But since it didn't work, now you're saying this is it's the reason. The words, but that's not, not the reason. The reason was because I wasn't smiling. Correct. Or uh, it was just not my crowd. Or yeah. It was just sure. Different. Like you remember one of the things Bill Howie taught us about acting? He was like, when people get so worried about memorizing the words, he'd be like, "Screw the words. It's not about the words. Yeah. It's about making that audience feel something." And this opening bit. There was a certain – I was so excited to have a chance to, to record a CD. Yeah. You came up pretty high energy. Yeah. 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 And then it, and then it uh, – I think that's what got translated because I listened to it. I go, oh, I missed a lot of the punchlines in this. You know what I do when I'm having a bad day? Chinese food. <laughs> Dude, it's just that simple. It's just that easy. Think about it. When you order Chinese takeout, it's like getting Christmas delivered to your door any day of the year. Because just like a little kid preparing for Santa, Chinese food delivery all starts with a list. You start looking at that menu, and I don't even know where the goddamn menus come from, to be honest. Maybe elves deliver them. They just show up under your door, or there's a hang tag, and you're like, where'd this Chinese menu come from? I don't know. Maybe it's a sign from God. Let's save it, right? And then you have one of those days where I'm looking at the menu and I'm starting to plan things out like I start thinking like a little kid preparing for Santa I'm like I've been really good lately I've been really good I've been gluten free for like five days in a row I can I deserve a treat and then the best thing about Chinese food is it's a celebration you don't eat it by yourself there's always somebody with you and they're like well what are you in the mood for and I'm like I think I could go for the general's chicken oh you're a genius I want that too but how about if you're getting chicken I'll get some beef Mongolian beef Panama, right? So now 
you're excited. And then there's always this question whenever you order Chinese food. So we got the beef, we got the chicken. How hungry are you? Translation, we're both about to be fat asses right now. Nobody judge. We're going to order more food. I don't know. I'm pretty hungry. Well, we got, how about, how about a seafood dish? Maybe we all split everything up. How about shrimp with lobster sauce? Yes, let's do it. Place the order. Now you're waiting for the delivery driver like he's freaking Santa Claus. Like, you're, is he here yet? Is he here yet? Check the door. I heard something. I'll go get a no. It's the goddamn wind. Son of a bitch. When's the food going to get here? And God bless the Chinese. I don't care how much food you order for two people or a birthday party with 60 guests. No matter how much food you order, it always comes in one goddamn bag. That's it. Space is a commodity over there. The Chinese don't mess around. Brown paper bag staples shut with a plastic bag around it. And the guy just drops it off like a bomb. And then somebody, somebody always thinks the poor driver messed up. Is that all the food? How could that be all the food? Stop the guy before he gets to the car. And then because the, they always think because they're Chinese, they think like, oh, he doesn't speak English. The guy's like, bitch, I hear you. I speak English. I packed it myself. You want to open it in front of me? No, give him an extra dollar. He's pissed. I got the bag. Thank you, sir. Now you have to open the bag, and it really is like Christmas morning, because God bless the Chinese. Those boxes they put the food in, they're fun. They look like gifts. There's always like a ninja on the side with a sword and a dragon, and then when you have to press down that metal thing, you know they mean business, and I'm like a six-year-old. I always want to open the biggest thing first. I'm like, what's in here? Ah, oh, friggin' rice, son of a bitch. <laughs> Right? Dude, opening rice is like getting socks on Christmas morning. You're like, oh, why did you even bother? That's not a gift. So now you put the rice to the side, and you're like, here's your chicken. Awesome. Here's your beef. And then you start handing it out like Christmas presents. And what I love about Chinese food is they always give you that bonus dish. They always throw in something extra. You're always opening stuff up, and then you're like, what the hell is this? And you're like, oh, my God, what is it? And I'm just chubby enough where if people don't want to try it, they're like, Steve will try it. I'm like, you're goddamn right I will. Bring it here. And then they're like, All right, is it good? I'm like, no, it's delicious. Well, give me a piece. Screw you. You had your chance. Panama. It's instant fun. It really is instant fun. Thank you. It's the best. Trust me on this. If you're ever having a bad day, order Chinese food and bump Biggie Smalls. Hear me out, because it's impossible to stay in a bad mood if you're eating pork fried rice and then you hear, it was all a dream. You're like, fuck it, I'll kill myself tomorrow. <laughs> it's so fun. All right, over here, I feel like you guys get me. Thank you. Over here, not as much. Yeah. How long, when you, now, your Panama explanation, exclamation of joy. How long have I been doing? I don't How long know. have you been doing that? Where did it come from? It's Van Halen? Who is Yeah, that? it's Van Halen. And it's just your impression of the bassist? Yes. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I used to do, okay, I remember when you would host open mic at the comedy store. Uh-huh. And I would not do material per se. Right. It's hard to do material there. Yeah. I think Jay's walking in now. Yeah. Um, but I remember once I said Motley Crue, shout at the devil. Like yeah. to get a laugh. Like this is the energy I'm feeling. Like a- 80s heavy metal yeah. fun. Like, do you know what I mean? Like this is 15 years old. We're at a keg party. This is my first beer. <laughs> shout at the devil. And I was like, ooh, I don't like... Number one, I never liked Motley Crue as much as Van Halen. Yeah. Number two, I never liked that song as much. And then at the time, I used to do a joke about Michael Anthony. It's not as party-ish a song. It's not. 
it's creepier. It means like, yeah, something. Yeah, different. and I was like, eh, I'm not a dark comedian. I'm not into What's that. What's Panama stuff. all about? Just going to Panama on vacation? No, I think it's about a car. Oh. But it's the once again, that's the perf that song's the perfect example of what I'm talking about, how it's not the words. Yeah. It's the emotion behind it. Cause that song to me is just fun and it's just California fun. And it's the fun of like, let's celebrate life. Yeah. Let's, let's celebrate life. It's Panama. Yeah. Like that. And I used to do that joke about the bass player. Michael Michael Anthony Michael was his Anthony. name. Yeah. And I would act out him on stage and the thoughts in his head. Having like, a great time. Having a great I go, he was my favorite rock star. Because he chose to have fun, and he knew how lucky he was. I was like, he was on stage with arguably the greatest front man. I'm not saying the best lead singer. Eddie Van Halen. No, the greatest front. David Lee Roth maybe wasn't the best singer, but he was a great front man, and it's two different things. Okay. And Van Halen was the last great rock band when rock and roll was the coolest thing imaginable. Because in my, these are just my opinions. Yeah. Guns N' Roses was the last great rock band, like great. Um. And that was at the same time, like when hip hop started to take over. And then, you know, of course, I love Nirvana and all the grunge stuff. But by that by that point, the music scene was already too complicated uh, or diverse. Guns N' Roses is pretty great. That appetite for destruction was amazing. <laughs> hit after hit after yeah. hit. And so Panama came out of me doing the impression of Michael Anthony, checking out chicks in the front row, like, "Oh, you don't think I'm oh, in the right. band? Smiling. Check this out." Smile. Oh, told yeah. you I'm he in would the band. go over like he'd be playing and singing and ha- being ha- not singing just no. playing and being happy smiling and playing like, bass yeah it used to be like he doesn't care that he's not the lead singer he's yeah he's just happy he to be in the band I go he he looks like he should be a gym teacher somewhere playing right field on a softball team <laughs> just a normal dude he looks normal and then he bass plays all the way over to the lead mic yeah the where t- what's his name is and he just joins in with him when he's with Panama he goes Panama then because Panama. yes his harmonizing vocals to me that is the Van Halen sound Alex Van Halen's one of the best drummers ever Eddie is arguably the greatest guitarist ever he's on stage with major talents I'm not saying he's not as talented as them because his joy his harm his vocals when he leans in and goes Panama to me that's the Van Halen sound wow. so that's where that comes from you just sort of co-opted that as your mode of exclamation as yeah, like, happy. And it, yeah and it's just like this is what I'm feeling Steve what are you feeling you're feeling Panama yeah um, yeah that's cool did they uh, was there this is a very high energy bit in general yes. was there any thought to pacing like yes. I want to open with this I want to close yeah. with this what was the thoughts the thought was hit them hard first so they pay attention damn maybe I'll do that with my special I'm not telling this was just okay these are the that and dirty it's like I open up a little like alright guys listen to me for a while maybe I should just hit him over the head with some blowjob shit this is what I did I went they don't know who I am yeah this is my first CD I need them very much so I need this audience to buy into my world so I can take them on that journey and close like it was my dream to close on the bit I closed on but I'm uh-huh. like I don't know if I'm going to be good enough of a comedian that and then 40 minutes, 50 minutes, I'm going to get them to this point. Right. So I was like, if they don't buy in right away, I'm not famous. I'm not clever. <laughs> I don't have these well-crafted jokes. I was like, they have to think I'm funny and not what I'm saying is funny. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways I've learned over the course of my life that to get people to think you're funny yeah. is to hit them with a little of energy, like the Chris Farley approach. Energy. Energy. And then, because you notice on this bit, and then it slows down. As soon as I felt like I got the laughs, yeah. then it slows down. Um, yeah. Did you, uh, did you uh, by the way, at 141, in, the, in this first track, in this uh, second track, I guess, Chinese Foods Like Christmas, mm-hmm. 
you take this breath. It's like, uh, <gasps> trying to breathe. And it's like, dude, you're out of shape. <laughs> or are you like, are you, are the, let me just hear it really quick. Okay. I just want to show it to you. My yeah. plan is to put the questions in between the tracks. Oh, uh, so you play a track. Have to edit all that stuff. Well, then it's easier editing because then I could just play a track and then say, here's what, um, oh, okay. You know about yeah, the whatever's easiest heard, for you. And here's the next track. What you should know going in. Okay, cool. So there's this, listen to this. Yeah. Cause I don't, I'm, I don't, I haven't really listened to it that much. Okay. Okay. That's why I mean if there's specific ones, but yeah, we can listen to it. But listen, listen to this breath. It's almost like you, like you're that kid drinking at the water fountain. Yeah, check the door. I heard something. I'll go get it. No, it's the goddamn wind. Yeah. Son of a bitch. When's the food gonna get here? And God bless that the breath. <laughs> yeah, it's a swallow. It's a swallow. Um, it's a swallow. Uh, yeah, breath. I think part of that happens when you're nervous. Like I have a joke about that. Like when you try to breathe and talk at the same time. Yeah, that's when people know you're nervous. Like, how are you? I'm good. Yeah. That's and it's part of that. And then, is he here yet? Is he here yet? Check the door. I heard something. I'll go get a no. It's the goddamn wind. Son of a bitch. When's the food gonna get here? And God bless the Chinese. <laughs> it's the best. Yeah. And God bless the Chinese. Yeah, that whole first bit. I I remember going back and listening to it. And I'm like, oh, the jokes aren't in there. And that was this stuff. The opening stuff about ordering takeout Chinese. Yeah was probably only two, three weeks old before I recorded Two, three it. weeks old. Okay. Yeah, because kind of now there's there's uh, a tag that I threw into it about um, – because I don't know. You don't remember if, the Chinese ordering. No. I only remember the Chinese restaurant. Yeah. Well, it was that's the new part of that. Like that was maybe two weeks old before I did it. And part of the joke now, because I'm, I'm very concerned – and I, as a comedian, I know I shouldn't be – but I'm very concerned about – I don't want to alienate anybody. I don't want to make anybody feel bad. And I want to kind of – like a rising tide raises all ships kind of thing yeah. to approach to my comedy. And one of the things was – I don't know if it's on this version on the CD because everything's always changing. But about how it's subtly racist that when all the food comes in one bag, people assume the guy doesn't it's speak English. Okay. The, the line I have now is the guy goes, uh, I hear you. I speak not only I speak English. I graduated from Berkeley. I own five restaurants. I can't find a white kid that'll deliver and show up on time. So now I have to do it myself, and that gets a huge laugh. Right? Yeah, that would be a good, very huge laugh. With these, uh, with these, the way you breathe like that too. It's like even without the swallows, even without the swallows. It was like, and then I told him we have to go to this thing, and then we're gonna now. Is that encouraged by, like, do you allow yourself to do it or do you push yourself to do it or no. is it completely accidental? What I, it's accidental in this sense. I understand that some people might think it's funny. And what I think is funny is just my desire to please. Uh-huh. And I think that's where it comes from. It's, it, I'm very much, until I get really comfortable, until I figure out if an audience likes me or not, and I have to get better at this. And that's why I don't mind doing the late night spots at the comedy store. I can just come out. And there's there's no stakes. Yeah. Like if the audience has been there for two hours, I go, all right, they already saw a good show. Sometimes that's what I open up with. Did you have a good show? Because if they were like, yeah, we liked all these people, I go, all right, the pressure's off me. Right. But if it's one of those shows where everybody bombs, then I'm like, all right, I got to make sure they get their money's worth. Yeah. <laughs> I have this thing where um, – Got to make sure. I it, It's very much like that. I, I become that little kid again. And I love – trying to make people happy. And I have this thing where I'm like, oh, if you think this is funny, wait till you hear this. Like I get excited sometimes when I go, wait, this isn't even the funny part, man. Right. Wait, wait. Okay. So yeah, they walk into up. the bar. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where it all comes from. I like that. Um, 
opening right opening rice is like socks on christmas morning oh yeah 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 that line came to me yeah where'd it come from uh that line came to me like yeah two weeks before because i was with a dumber crowd i shouldn't say this i'm not going to say which club i was at but it was a dumber crowd and i tried to open up with the restaurant experience and i'm like they don't even understand why i'm trying to get to this so i went you guys order Chinese food, right? And then I then it came to me. I go, it's like Christmas, man. Yeah, it's Except like you, all these little the gifts. <laughs> and I don't know if the line in there is about. I had the line about the Tetris expert now packing the bag. I don't remember that. Yeah, see, it's weird. Oh, how a little this bit all, where he got it all somehow. I don't know. It if all the fits in one bag. Tetris. Yeah, the Tetris line isn't in there because I remember because it's yeah. like packed perfect. And then because you do, I remember being a little kid right, and you want to no open the big thing. And you're like, what's in here? That joy. That's where the crit- – because when you un- unopen oh. Chinese food, you're like, you don't know what's in there. You're yeah. like, what is in this thing, man? And that's part of the unknown. Is- the boxes. Yes. Yeah. It's the coolest. It's not like now where they have like sort of see-through top. Yeah, I don't off. like that. I like old school the Chinese. The boxes. And you can the dump boxes. it all and it still maintains a shape. The yes. shape. If the you dump that into the dude, rice over. Yeah. And then if you put that in the microwave with the leftovers, you dump some general cells on top of that. Oh, come home run. Then the microwave just lets it and fall over. Yeah, because if you put the rice in the fridge, it's, it's like a fort. You, you can take the box. It's perfect square, and it stays perfect. that way. Yeah, it's like a mold. Yeah, and the, the socks jello. line came from uh, an image I had. I think very much in terms of music in my brain, and I yeah. think very much in terms of film. And I went, this is like getting socks on Christmas morning. And when I said that line on stage at this other club, it buckled the audience. But then immediately, just the way my brain works, in that moment, I got a vision of the film A Christmas Story. Yeah. And it was Ralphie and his brother Randy getting the socks on Christmas morning and just throwing them. <laughs> so I went, that's the image. That's the level of disappointment when you open up rice. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're like, maybe this is all General So's chicken. No, it's the stupid rice. Yeah. <laughs> you just have a look like... But it's just Chinese food. I'll explain to you why it means so much to me, okay? Because whenever I have Chinese food, I think back to the first time I ever had it, all right? First time ever. I was only about six. And it was my big brother, Chris, was the first person I ever knew to have Chinese food. Now, my big brother, Chris, he was a jerk to me and my little brothers. That's all, like, because that's a big brother's job. He was like Chet from Weird, Weird Science. If you're too young, you're like, who's that? Imagine Eric Hartman from South Park's your big brother, okay? And he had special big brother weekend over at Mom and Pop Pop's house. So do you think, me and my little brother, our feelings were hurt. We weren't included. He got a good report card. He got rewarded by Mom and Pop Pop for special treated like a king weekend with Mom and Pop Pop. And he came back just talking smack to me and my little brother, trying to make us feel worse and he was like and guess what else we did we had Chinese food and my little brother was like that's not even real and Chris was like oh yeah smell my breath I'm like what is that it smells different he was like that's probably the egg roll and I was like Chinese people know how to make rolls out of eggs? Like, I thought it was a sandwich roll with, like, hard-boiled Easter eggs. Like, oh, snap. And he was like, it's not that kind of roll, dummy. And my older brother was like, well, what kind of roll is it? Chris was like, it's an appetizer. What's an appetizer? That's food you have before more food. I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) I'm 
my little brother was like, well, what, what makes an egg roll so good? He was like, oh, what makes it so good? Imagine magical Chinese dough, paper thin, deep fried to crisp deliciousness. And then when you bite into it, there's little tiny shrimpy shrimp that you have to be Chinese to know where they live. And then there's these little red pieces of meat. It's pork, but it's red. You don't even know it's pork until you bite into it, surrounded by these vegetables that you can only get in China. And my little brother was like, mmm, that does sound good. I think I'll get an egg roll too. And Chris was like, you can't have Chinese food. You're not old enough. He was a dick, right? That's like a mean thing to say. Why split up this bit? I don't know. You split it up into three tracks. Because That's an acceptable answer. I don't know. But why did you? What was your reasoning? What because your if thought? not, it was going to be 20 minutes. Just that bit would be 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, it's the issue. We're like, what, what's your responsibility here? Like, how, how yeah, I don't know. Do and then I, I had asked Justin, and he never got back to me. He's super yeah. busy, and I was like, I don't know anybody else. Yeah, my thought was splitting up certain ones. It was like, this is part of a longer bit, but it could stand alone. And I thought, none of these bits if, are standalone. If they play on satellite, I see that's the like, other not thing. Not going to play a twenty-minute long bit. They might play a three-minute long bit, but I want to get it so it does. Like mm, this works up by itself. Yeah, not as well, but it can work by itself. Yes. Because there's some bits you, you would hear, if you just split in the middle of a bit, you'd be like, what, what, what was that? Yes. Not done yet. But other bits, you're like, oh, that's cool. And then you're like, yeah. oh, no, there's two-thirds more. And you're yeah, like, what? exactly. And, with, like, for, and you know, with my experience in life, yeah, that if this does make it to satellite radio, some of these bits that are in the middle, the second act of a bit, will yeah. get aired and people will go, I don't get it. It's oh, right. not no, that funny. With it. But if, if you go from the Chinese takeout experience into or, the f- Ordering, Actually being at a Chinese restaurant. At, yeah, if you that twenty minute journey's great. Yeah. How old was your brother when he uh, when he had the Chinese food for this for my big brother Chris? Okay. As I wrote it in my brain, yeah. he was about nine. And you were six and your brother was four? I if if Marky? if my if Chris was nine, then I was six and Mark was five. Yeah. Because Mark and I are only a year apart. The problem is when you picture when I picture my brother and stuff, even when we were little. I don't picture him as a first grader. I just picture my brother as he is now. Yeah. And then we were back then those days. Yeah. You know? It's weird, right? Yeah. There's no like, that was a little kid. It was like, that's the same size and age as my brother now. Yeah. He was weird. just in second grade. I remember, because there's so, like, this of course is all exaggerated because it is stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. But um, it's all so much based on truth. And one of the coolest things was... When we get to the bit, I called the one bit the China Palace because that's the real Chinese food restaurant we went yeah. to, and it's still there. The China Palace? Yeah, but it's changed hands, and it's sad because it's it's not what it once was oh. 30 years ago. Oh. It's primarily a takeout location now, yeah. but the place was so small, and it's like it doesn't have that vibe anymore. But I remember my older brother did brag. He yeah. knew. I don't know if he went there because he got a good report card. Something happened where, and I don't know if it was special Big Brother weekend. It might have been like my grandparents just took him out to go shopping or something, or took him to the doctors. There was something where our feelings were hurt. My younger brother and I, we were not included. This is all real. And he came back and bragged, and he enjoyed that. He enjoyed you guys not. Yeah, and then. When we go into Marky, Marky the lawyer, my little brother would approach my mom in a way very unchildlike, yeah, like with a certain logic, 
like, this is why this isn't fair. This is an injustice has been done and there's only one way to correct it. Yeah. That makes sense. How long does it take to get good? Um, this is one of the weird ones to the point. This really is where it starts. The Chinese palace. This really is where it starts. Doesn't start in track five when Chinese China palace starts. It starts in track three. Yeah. It starts on track three. When Chris comes home from eating Chinese. Yeah. And had I done that, that's still a 15 minute bit. Yeah. And I went part of me, like when I get physical CDs printed up, I might, I might re-edit it that way. In fact, that's what I'll do. I'll just – because I'll go, all right, man, it's four tracks. It's an hour, and it's four fucking tracks. Right. And I think that um, that's the way it's supposed to be listened to. But um, I was afraid – you know. I mean, you don't do pieces of that at the comedy store. You do the no, whole thing. No, I do the whole thing. Or nothing. Or, or I, I pick and I snipe things where I won't go into as much detail. And that was a challenge with this album, and we'll get into it. But it's like there are certain tags that – um, every bit has that work in a specific moment, but if you over tag it, it loses something. Uh-huh. And, I, and I was afraid that was going to happen. Yeah, like if you trying add to too cram much, too much. Like, eh. yeah, it, loses, it loses that magic. Like, but they're both good taglines. Like, I know, but only one can live. Only, well, yeah, so exactly. Like Bill Ward, the I think it was Bill, not Bill Ward. I think it was uh, Geezer Butler from Black Sabbath that wrote a lot of their songs, and he was like, when it gets too smooth, it doesn't. It loses the magic. Yeah, like when you practice it too much. So this bit, how long did it take to get good? Um, like how long did you start doing it? The five minute version, the thirty second version started less than a year from when it was recorded because I didn't get Chinese food with Autistic Thunder until last August. And that's when you started thinking about it. That's when I started thinking about, about the whole it, thing about the whole thing. And then last October, yeah, a year ago, I had that set I recorded in La Jolla on the Thursday night. That was just much more jazzy and in the moment. And the whole Chinese food thing was four minutes. Wow. And then the only time I really tried to work it out was that weekend with you in San Jose. And you were like, you're going to open on the Chinese food thing? And I went, yeah, let me see what's here. Because your fans are so good. Like, that's another thing people, I don't. So long. I I don't think people understand how important an audience is for comedy. Where it's like, when it's a, a comedian people are going to see specifically versus comedy in general. Right. There's a different, there's a different energy in the room. Yeah. There and is. I was like, okay, this is a good, this is a good vibe. And let me play around with this man. Let me see. Oh, how- even if you're not that comedian. Yeah. No, it's no, still no. a good vibe in the room. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. No, that's true. When I opened for Rogan, I was like, Oh, these are better crowds than mm-hmm, like way back before so. they knew me at all. And I've had very limited experiences with headlining since my podcast came out. Yeah. And even if there's, Twenty or thirty percent of the people there specifically to see me. Yeah, whole different, whole different vibe, all, all man. Because they're on board. And then the other people go, "Oh, okay, I guess we're laughing." And they don't go, yeah. like, "Well, who are you?" Like, "Oh, he's got the stamp of approval." Yes, okay. and so that's why I'm really excited. God willing, the CD will open more doors to more headlining because it's like I have a lifetime of experiences I want to share. You yeah, know? yeah, and maybe it'll open more, 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 more vaginas. <laughs> You're not even interested in that. Let's listen I have a to, girlfriend. Let's listen to your brother. Oh, congratulations. Listen to, your, listen to your brother for a second. And then tell me, stop me if you need. All right, well, okay, let's yeah. listen. <laughs> so here's the thing. My little brother is only like five, but he had already, he was so beaten down by life that he'd already developed his own coping mechanism. Like where, <laughs> no, he would cry and talk at the same time. Because Chris was like, you're not old enough for Chinese food. And Mark was like, oh, I'm not old enough. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> he's like, 
He was like, oh, I'm not old enough? Why? Because you say I'm not old enough? You know what, Chris? My mom and pop up. They wanted to reward you. I applaud your efforts. You got straight A's on your report card. But you know what? You are not the smartest person in this house. You think you are, but I know you're not the smartest. Because you know what I got on my report card? I got straight O's. And you know what O stands for? Outstanding. Because I'm only in kindergarten. And they don't want to make the dumb kids feel bad. But I know I'm smarter than them. And I know I'm smarter than you because you think you run this house, but you do not. There is only one person that runs this house, and it's not you. It's mom! And he ran straight upstairs. He was smart enough to know who the real shot caller was. It was not him. It was mom. (laughs) So here's the thing. Most most five-year-old kids would just go cry. They would just cry to their mom so they got what they wanted. Not my little brother. He was too intelligent. He, no lot, he would approach my mom like she was a judge sitting on the bench, and he was a prosecuting attorney. No lie. He would just want to start establishing facts. He'd want her to start saying yes. He'd be like, hello, mom. Mom, please hang up the phone. Marky, what is it? Is it an emergency? I believe so, mom. Please hang up the phone. Mom, please. Mom, for the benefit of the entire house, I need your undivided attention. I'll have to call you back. Okay, mom, thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, mom, do you remember when Chris went to mom? mom and pop-up's house do i remember it yes isn't it indeed true that chris was indeed there just yesterday (laughs) yes chris he was there okay so we can agree upon that that he was there correct yes okay while chris was there he claims to have eaten something called chinese food what about it marky first question is chinese food real Yes, sweetie, Chinese food's real. Okay, would you also describe it as the most delicious food in the world? Well, it is very good, Marky. Okay, but in your own words, Mom. Would you describe it as the most delicious food in the world? Uh, Well, I would say it's good. Okay, let me rephrase that question, okay? Do you think that I would like Chinese food? You might, Marky. Okay, final question. Do you have to be nine years old in order to eat it? (laughs) No, sweetie. Okay, may I please have Chinese food too? That was it, Friday night. We got Chinese food. His efforts paid off. I I really like that that, that cry talking thing he does. Not old enough? Yeah, that's real. Um... I sent the CD to my younger brother. To Marky? Yeah, before anybody. Before I was going to really... Because if he said, dude... Don't do that. Don't do this. I would have just scrapped it, and I would have taken a different approach to the CD. Yeah. Um, But I remember that... He's the main character in your CD. Yeah, it's a love letter to him. It's a love letter to my family and my life. Yeah. uh, I hope that comes through. I hope it doesn't come off mean-spirited. No, I don't think it does. And I, I hope it comes off as like... Because a lot of the new material I'm developing is about, like, let's just celebrate these little things, man. And uh, that line about him crying and talking, I was on stage just telling the story at the Ice House maybe in February, opening up for D'Elia. And it came to me that night. Like, because I just tell this story. Uh And that's why they keep on getting longer and longer. It's like. You tell it and you have another detail. Yeah, you embellish. It's like a fish story. So I was like, and then my younger brother, and I go, oh, why did. Okay. 
And then the audience just buckled. And then I was like, yeah, it was like he was crying and talking at the same time. Trying to get through it. Like holding back the emotion. Because he always used to, he would also say, the only thing I'm saying is, and it was hysterical. Because <laughs> it was, you have to be careful with it though. Because sometimes the audiences feel so bad for him. They're like, this isn't funny, bro. Oh, but I have crying, to, yeah. yeah. So it's like, look. Some of those there are was fine a joy- line things. And if people don't understand how hard it is, you're like, I, could, I had them all. But I could almost lost them all. Yeah. You know, I was so close. You guys have no idea how close you were to hating me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Mark, he's a dentist, right? Yep. He's the younger brother's a dentist. Yeah, okay. he's the smartest person I know. Really? Yeah, for sure. He could do anything. He's one of those guys. Okay. Um, okay. How did you just figure out how to morph that um, speech to Chris into telling on mom? Because that's what would happen. From, straight from, like, here's what's happening. Mom's running this place. But, like, he's talking to a person, and then it becomes, like, a mom's running this place. Yes. Telling on you in the middle of my speech. Yes, that because that's, that's what would happen in my house really? sometimes. Like, now, I don't think Mark would be, what's the word I'm looking for? As, um... Rattastic? No, that's that. No, we would rat on each other all the time. There was always... Oh, oh you think you're going to get away with this? Mom! And you're like, that damn was, it, I didn't realize you could do that again. Yeah, but I don't think he was as, um, what's the word I'm looking for? We're like, as narr- like the narrative. Like, oh, you think you... He- no, how did you decide to do it? Oh, how did I you just... figured figure that out? It was just something you uh, just that I was just like, let me tell the story. How, yeah. it, how it... Let me run the story through my comedic filter. It saves filter. time that way. But that's what would... Oh, cause, yeah, because I personify Mark. Is that what you mean? Where he's going... And then you're not the smartest person. And you know who is? You, you don't run this house. The person that runs this house says, Mom! We were always... Especially the, early, the glory days. Yeah, but it would be... It should be like... If it wasn't for... It should be like, You don't run this house. You know who does? Mom. And then, Mom! And then you yell for... Then I'm going to tell on you. But not no. the telling... It was included yeah, in sure. the speech Sometimes to it would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> please, please! <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Well, I like that. Uh, I like the repetition of uh, indeed when he keeps just saying, indeed, we are doing this and indeed. <laughs> yeah, and that just happened that night. Oh, really? There was a better version where I go, I don't know how, it, of Marky the lawyer. And I was like, look, it's never going to be 100%. Yeah. But it was, okay, I'm just trying to establish. I'm trying to establish. Because he would say things like that. He'd be like, okay, I'm trying to, okay, I'm just trying to. Eyes here. Okay. Look, mom. <laughs> Yeah. And he would build questions upon questions. And this this bit, like I said, this is from the first night of recording the shows. Um, a lot of it was still it was it's in the it was in that golden era of developing material yeah. where it wasn't a hundred percent finished. Um, cause it never really is. It almost like I've noticed with stand up material, it almost gets to a hundred percent and then it becomes not funny. Mm-hmm. And almost gets to a hundred percent and then it becomes not funny. Yeah, yeah. It's like nah, I waited too long. Yeah, wait it, yeah, it's you gotta just it there are going to be things left out, but like I said at the beginning, it's the emotion behind it. That's yeah. the important part. Yeah. Okay. And then we start China Palace. Yep. Um, now, you started this with a message about family. You want to hear it again? Or, or yeah, I don't know. Why. Okay, hold on. Well, that was, it's getting okay. further, but that was the thing about uh, the family in general. Yeah. You set those in on purpose? Like, this yeah. is what it's all about, you guys. It's all about being with yeah. people you like. I think... Um, wh- 
where I'd see the second album evolving to is more of my point of view on things. Yeah. Instead of just like these, it took me a long time to figure out how to tell a story about characters nobody knows. Yeah. And get them invested. Yeah. And that, like, how do you do that? And one of the tools is energy. It is body language. It is faces. You have to use every comedic tool you have just to tell a story. Because these people don't know my younger brother. But part of the reason why I was like, if I can open with the Chinese bit, then I'm introducing all the characters. Yeah. It's almost like a topic sentence for uh, a paper. Because we're right, going to talk topic, about, yeah, top it's paragraph a top, opens up the other three yes. paragraphs and the closing paragraph, and then that takeout bit that occurred to me two weeks before recording this is more of a traditional bit. It's like more an ob- more observational comedy, like you, you don't know what's in the boxes, and they always give you something extra, and you're like, what's this? That sort of stuff. Um, and you know what's even funny? I think when we did the podcast last October, mm-hmm. I mentioned Chinese food with you, and I was like, yeah, if you listen to Biggie Smalls and eat pork fried rice at the same time, you're like... You're always going to be happy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's what they did. Yeah, and then the stuff about the family thing, I said it once when I was on stage with you in San Jose. Really? Yeah, and that's where it came from, because we, we did that whole Star Wars thing. We went to the oh, Star yeah, Wars museum. Star Wars exhibit. And I'm like, this was so much fun. And it wasn't fun just because it was Star Wars, because it was hanging out with my buddy. Yeah, it wasn't right. It wasn't like, oh, we saw this exhibit. It was like, you want to do that? Should we do that yes. together? And it was the fact, like... Um, yeah, you're right. It's who you're with. Because I've been in situations, like, opening up for other comedians, where I've been, like, in... I remember once in Vegas, I stayed in this suite that was, like, the suite they used to put Sinatra in. Wow. And I literally wasn't more miserable. Like, there was never a point in my life... It was just a terrible at time. The my, it was at the Stardust. Okay. And, I didn't even know that one. Yeah. It's no longer with us. But I was like, it's not... And I had more money Yeah, at the time than I do now. And I was, like... So, I was doing the coolest. I was in Vegas, man. I'm staying in a suite. I'm opening up for a famous comedian, and I was miserable. For real, yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's not what life's about. Life's about these little things because of the people you get to share them with. Yeah. And I think that's really what the next album's going to be about. About what? Um, How I feel about life more. The ideals more than just like, let me show you some times I share with friends, but like, yeah. Yeah, and then this was necessary to say, okay, this is why I'm telling you this story. It's not just a funny story. Right, right. Here's why. It's a story to show you, like, look, man, if you're with the right people, you don't need a million dollars. Louis does that. Most of his bits fall into this into this um, pattern mm-hmm. where he goes, here's what I feel. Here's why that's silly or make fun of make fun of a bull enough. Yes. Like, you can make fun of it. And now here's a ridiculous situation that illustrates how... It's like that. Yeah. So he's like, kids are kids are greedy. They think they run the world. Yes. You know, and then he'll do a joke about it, and then he'll show how his kids are like, Daddy, I want that. Yes. But he'll say first, like, what his life yes. view is. And I didn't have that uh, two years ago with my comedy. Yeah. Now, here's the thing, guys, what I've figured out. This is what I've figured out about life. It's not where you are. It's not what you have. It's who you're with. Because a simple trip to a Chinese restaurant over 30 years ago has brought me joy throughout my whole life because I was with my family, and and that was it. We didn't have to go to China. That's what the Chinese food restaurant was. It was like traveling around the globe without getting your goddamn passport stamped. I remember sitting in the back seat, and I'll admit it. I was a chubby kid, okay? I wasn't fat. There's a difference. I was a chubby kid in the back seat, and I'm like, yes, we're getting Chinese food. Halfway through to the restaurant, though, the thought dawns on me. 
what if you don't like it? And I was like, oh, what if I don't like Chinese food? And I'm starting to panic in the back seat because normally Friday night, that was pizza night in my house. We'd go to this place, Pinocchio's. It was my favorite. They knew Chubby liked a crispy, well-done pepperoni. We'd get our own pizza. My mom would let would serve us, and then they had soda out of a pitcher. When you're six years old, soda, root beer out of a pitcher, that's a cake party for a first grader. I was like, mother effing pitcher soda, right? So now I have something to lose I'm like oh my god so I start working on my dad I'm like hey dad what if I don't like the Chinese food well then you don't eat it buddy and I'm like uh, yeah but then I have to eat something right and he was like yeah we'll get you something else and I'm like well you know Friday nights normally pizza night and my dad looks at me in the rearview mirror and he goes I got you look if you don't like the Chinese food me you and whoever else we'll go get a pizza pie afterwards I was like oh snap yes now I felt like a gangster. I'm playing with the casino's money. You know what I'm saying? I'm up no matter what. I was like, Versace, 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 let's do this, son. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? It could taste like garbage. I know we got pepperoni as a backup plan. Best night ever. Okay. So now... We pull up to the restaurant. I'm a little kid. I can feel the vibe coming from this restaurant. I knew it was like a place I had never been to before. Okay? There's like this mysterious, the mysteries of the Orient are emanating from this building. I see the lanterns silt, like these handmade paper lanterns hanging in the window, neon lights that say China Palace and Chinese letters. I was like, what the fudge is this? My dad opens the door. The bell's on the back of the door ring. The entire front counter is deserted. It makes it, it adds to the anticipation. Right? It was like a ghost town. I'm like, where is everybody? And I took a look around and I saw three things in the front of that Chinese food restaurant that I've seen in every restaurant since. Every Chinese food restaurant anywhere in the world has the same three goddamn things. Look for them. There's always a little piece of bamboo growing usually next to the cash register. It might be a tree. It might be a stick. There's always bamboo growing. There's always a ceramic death squad kitty trying to keep away evil spirits. And a 70s style fish tank. There's always a fish tank that hasn't been cleaned since Reagan got shot, okay? So I see the fish tank, the light goes off. I go, is that dinner? So I go, Dad, are they going to feed us goldfish? That's a prize at the carnival. That's a pet. That's not dinner. My dad's like, relax, buddy. It's just for show. It's to entertain people. And I go, I'm not entertained. I want to go get pizza now. And he goes, give Chinese food a chance. My dad rings the bell. Dude, no lie. I don't even see the curtain move. This guy just pops up like a magician, like, welcome to the China Palace. I was like, oh, snap. Are you a ninja? And the guy, the guy just starts to laugh he's like chubby you're too funny no i'm not a ninja right so then my little brother steps up and he's like sir excuse steve's ignorance steve and ninjas are japanese this man's clearly chinese he's like skinny you're a smart one but chubby you funny right so he goes he goes five this way he pulls the curtain back no lie there's a 15 foot golden dragon as soon as you walk in you're six years old and you see I was like, mother effing dragon! Now, we walk into the restaurant. We go around the little partition. And I could feel the energy pulsating through this restaurant. I was a little kid, but I was street smart. I knew there was illegal activities going on in the back. I knew there was guys with mustaches smoking opium and gambling. Like, boom, ow, boom, ow. Right? And two pit bulls about to fight. Like, roar, 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 roar. And there's a guy in a suit closing a briefcase filled with cash. And the sons of anarchy are going out the side door with guns. Right? So I go, hey, dad, tip this guy well. We're going to buy a 
a gremlin on the way out, right? <laughs> so, so my little brother's like, no, they're called Magwise. And let's you feed them after midnight. Dad, ask for that. Ask for that in Bottle Rockets. Steve's right. We can get stuff here. So, so but that's like, keep it down, buddies. Keep it down. Behave. They sit us at a table. My poor parents are just trying to get us to behave. Right away, the guy goes, I have a special treat for the boys, and hands us chopsticks. He gave three little boys under the age of nine chopsticks. He essentially armed us. Those things are like nunchucks without the little connector thing. My parents are trying to separate us. The guy goes, Chubby, something special. He puts those crispy noodles right in front of me. There's a billion Chinese. They don't mess around when it comes to food. They're like, eat and get the hell out. So I'm killing the crispy little noodles. And he's like, here, try it with the duck sauce. I'm like, do you make it out of ducks? And he's like, Chubby, you funny. No, not a duck. Just delicious, right? So now the menus come. The menus come from all four corners of the restaurant. The menus look like something Indiana Jones pulled out of a cave. There were four foot tall red leather menus with the same golden dragon on the front. There's a gold rope down the back. I go, is this real gold? And my little brother's like, Chubby, you're killing me. No. It's okay. I took two little hands to open it. A horoscope falls out. My little brother starts to read it. And he was like, you're here at a dog, Chris. We're enemies. We're never going to be friends. And my dad's like, take it easy, buddies. Honey, separate the boys. I'm starting to read the menu. I can't read the thing, bro. It's separated in the columns. A, B, C. There's numbers next to it. There's stuff in Chinese. One from this column, two from that column. Hot, spicy. Dude, it was like a word problem. That's why the Asians kill the SATs. They're doing algebra before they can even order a meal. Okay? I I can't read it. I got to be honest. Curious George is kicking my ass at the time. I'm only six. But my little brother starts laughing. I just remember hearing laughter, and he's going, Steve, Steve, look what they have. I'm like, what? And he goes, poo, poo, platter. I was like, oh, my gosh. We can order poop, right? And my mom's like, no, that says poo-poo. And the guy's like, no, poo-poo. But you need two people. And my little brother looks at me like, you want to get a poo-poo? I was like... You're goddamn right we're going to get a poo-poo. So we high-five, and we start going poo-poo, 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 poo Three minutes later, the same guys that brought the menus are carrying a gigantic tray on their shoulders like they're about to feed a sultan. As this tray gets close to the table, we notice there's a blue flame in the middle of the tray. There's live fire. You're six years old. You see a dragon. They give you weapons. They bring you fire. And the guy was like, hey, chubby, before you leave, here's a cookie that tells the future. Hell yes, Chinese food. It's the best thing ever. It's the best ever. You say mother effing a lot. Yep. That's on purpose, right? Yes. Because, and even, this was recorded back in July. It mm-hmm. wasn't until I got these CDs back and I gave them to Lee and I listened to it yeah. where I went, oh, okay, now I get it. I don't need to curse at all anymore. Uh-uh. Because there was even a few curses in here, but they're not necessary. And there are certain, because it goes back to what we said before about acting class. It's not the words, it's the intention behind it. Yeah. And if you're the happy-go-lucky guy, even though people wouldn't be offended by um, motherfucking... Yeah, it still takes them out of that place of but, that of that pure, genuine guy. Absolutely. And you know, here's the thing: like I talked like about child. this with Kevin Christie and Nick Youssef. Mm-hmm. I think society's gotten so profoundly selfish. Um, 
that it's almost like my and I'm going to curse now, mm-hmm. but it's almost like my fuck you to everybody. That it's like um, this is my my way of rebelling against this selfishness and this materialism is to to present my stuff in a way that's accessible to everybody. Right. And I really want to create the kind of comedy that families can enjoy. And you that's can nice. share with, and that you can share with really everybody. Is that, man, I noticed that in La Jolla five years ago, six years ago, seven, eight years ago, maybe. It was like the type of people that were watching and laughing. It was like grandmothers and cholos and, yeah. and affliction douchebags and yeah. marines and nerds and yeah. fucking emo kids. Because when you strip away all that stuff, they were all seven. Yeah. They didn't have any of that shit at seven. Exactly. And it's that John Hughes thing. We were just talking about John Hughes at the uh, Breakfast Club. He was like, you can strip away all of our labels and what we show to everybody. But deep down, we all have a, a little of all that inside of us. We're all the best. <laughs> yeah, it's the best. <laughs> I thought that was so know. profound when I was like 14. Yeah, I mean, was like, yeah, we are all the Breakfast Club. Yeah, man. You don't get it. <laughs> Do you get it? Shut up. <laughs> uh, now, with your dad... Um, Saying, don't worry about it. We can get pizza if we're not going to get Chinese. Don't worry. Yeah. Do you think your father set you up to be an overweight man? Yeah. With his habits. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, I talk about that stuff now. Like one of the things I'm doing a new bit now is how my dad would taste the food over the phone before he ordered it. He'd be like, okay, we'll get one large cheesesteak. Because <laughs> he gets a cheesesteak. Like, oh. <laughs> exactly. I'll talk a cheesesteak, please. <laughs> and we were that fat family that, like, let's say, if we were going to order a birthday cake. Yeah. And how many does that serve? Babe, they say it ser- serves 20 to 25. You better get the bigger one, Russ. Okay, what's yeah. the next size up? And there would be seven of us. Yeah. 20 to is, 25. And yeah. you're like, okay, what's the next size up? Yeah. Because we were a fat family. That's just a sliver. Who eats that? That's a taste. That's not a piece. Three portions for each of you. Yeah. Two is too much. Yes. Three. Yeah. (sighs) Were you afraid people wouldn't get the Death Squad quit kitty reference, or did you not even give a shit? I didn't care if people got it or not. That was was my little... Yeah, and not only for me, but for all the Death Squad listeners out Uh there, because... Number one, I love the fact that uh, what Joe Rogan was able to do... Yeah. Like, sort of create this. It's sort of, it's sort of like putting the power back to the people, mm-hmm. sort of. And um, my limited experience with Death Squad crowds were either opening for you or Joey Diaz. Yeah. And very much so, I think there's a lot of people that affiliate themselves with Death Squad that look pretty scary on the outside. Yeah. Like they might be long beard tattoo artist dudes. They might be jujitsu experts. They might be weed dealers. Yeah. But there's this. Um, genuineness that they have that i find so uh admirable so it was my little wink and a nod to them like here's your That's here's nice. your little treat i love those jokes that are just like eh, you can get it if you want but either way I'm, just, I'm gonna say it yes yeah for sure That's it doesn't take any time you could be a little kitty up there or a little desk squad kitty You're yeah a second a second and but dude i've wink. i've kept that forever because i remember telling red band i was going to do it like yeah. six months ago and then every time I would go out on the road, like I could be opening up for Paulie in Indiana and there'd be three laughs where people knew it and they'd come up to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So cool. I like that. That's cool. Um, now is this, this whole China palace thing? Mm-hmm. Wow. This is a long bit. Yeah. 
Did they? Uh, was this an amalgamation of tons of Chinese restaurant trips? Of course, it was. Cause it was yeah, like and it was your memories over time. Yes, and it was more of a, an ode to that the first time you experience something mm-hmm. and how a little kid's imagination it's fuel for new experiences are fuel for imagination. The like dragon that. Yeah. And it's like, if you go to a museum when you're a little kid, like kids lose their minds, especially the first couple times they get to do something the first time to a zoo first time. Cause you're like, what is this? There's animals here. There's yeah. And there was, that little kid remember that, uh, African-American family we saw at the zoo, we went to the zoo for my birthday. I th- oh yeah, I th- looking at the crocodiles. Absolutely. And you're like, hey, over here, you can get a good view of them. And he's yeah. like, oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cutest, so the cutest thing so ever. So cute. Yeah, and I think it's just like if you can somehow, as a grown up, keep that sense of wonder. Oh uh-huh. my god, how do you do that? How do you do that when it's not your first time experiencing something? When it's not, I mean, you remember your first blowjob? You're not as sexualized as I am. Yeah, but. I don't know if you remember your first blowjob or your first kiss. Yeah. And the, the butterflies in your stomach. Yeah. Like, oh my God, I'm doing this. But then, not even to the point where you're now, but 20 blowjobs in. Yeah. Or 20 first kisses in. That's the challenge. It's like, the butterflies are there. I know what this is. Yeah, I know what that's, this experience is. That's the is. challenge. Yeah, your first time driving on your own when you're 16. I have a bit about that now. Oh, yeah. my, oh you do? I go, I go, the next time you're stuck in traffic and you're like, everything sucks, step back and go, how happy are you? just to be driving. And I think everything in life, because I've had a really rough week and it's, this has been a blessing for us to be, to do this. Mm-hmm. That's just what I was thinking. That's the word I was going to use. <laughs> yeah. Um, because everything really comes down to your perspective. Yeah. It comes down to your attitude and your choices to make because, um, yeah, like after you've done something a thousand times, you're like, where is the joy? Yeah. Where is it? And then you have to step out and you have to shake yourself off and you got to go dude, seriously. Enjoy yeah. it. Look at this, man. Like, I started to eat ice cream for breakfast. That's another big really? work. Like, yeah. You can do that. Yeah, I'm like, this is awesome. You remember this guy, Atari, used to hang out? No. He's a Palestinian guy. He trained with Bravo, with Eddie Bravo, Mm-mm. and he owned a dispensary. Okay. He actually got me into weed. I went, I went in there once with Eddie and Joe and uh-huh. Rogan, and they were like, uh, Eddie was like, Joe, come, uh, come to this guy's shop. I want to show you the shop. So uh-huh. I just went in with him. I didn't have my card. Yeah. It was like... Uh, I was like, nobody stopped me, so I'm just going to go in. Yes. And then they make gift bags for Rogan and for Eddie Bravo. You know, Eddie trained him, so he looked yeah. up to him, and Rogan was a big pothead. And yeah, star. Him. Yeah, and then the, the guy behind the counter was like, should we make one for this other guy, too? And he goes, uh, yeah. And he gave me, like, five different grams of, of wheat. And from then on, now I had plenty, so now I could just start smoking. Yeah. I didn't feel like I was going to run out. Yes. That's when I became a pothead. And there was something about that, too, like... Where you go, I can really enjoy this. Oh, yeah. I don't like, like I don't have to work. Cause, time yeah, because one of the things as a grown up, you start to go, like, I was somebody in, I was talking to somebody recently about gift cards. Mm-hmm. It's because if you give a grown up cash, they're going to put gas in their car yeah. or they're going to pay a bill or they're going to save it for a rainy day. Gift cards are better. You remember this thing with yeah, that you go, I have to spend this at the Nike shop. Gotta I have yourself. to buy a new pair. I'm yes. not allowing you to take care of bills. Right. I'm saying and there's you something, have to treat yes. Yourself. And there's something about like, budgeting in your head but if somebody yeah. gives you all the weed you can smoke you're like I, the only thing there is to do is enjoy it that's not even what i'm gonna say but yes what i was gonna say is at some point i was bitching about something in my life and he was a new comic too he was trying to do comedy mm-hmm. um and i was like oh, i don't know i can't get into this fucking club on the road i'm trying and I, I, that's what's going through my head and then at some point he was like so dude i went to the comedy store the other day your name's on the back wall <laughs> yeah. you have your name on the wall there man yeah and it has to be that first second to be like, actually, yeah, that is pretty cool. Yeah, it is. That is pretty cool. Yeah, we take for granted so many amazing things. Mm-hmm. 
here's what I really enjoyed at this part in the in the uh, CD because mm-hmm. you're setting up this child this childlike world, mm-hmm. and then you start to morph them. And there's this line: you ask for mogwais and bottle rockets. Yep. That's what you want them to get. Ask for mo- and now mogwais are completely made up. Yes, and bottle rockets are completely real. Yes, and they both prey on the imagination of children. Yes, some are realistic and some is. Uh, super when you're a little kid something you see in a movie is just as real yeah like gremlins to me at one point in my life you knew the gremlins weren't real and you did know bottle rockets were real but they seem to have that same place in your life of like amazing things correct yes when you're a kid there are so many things that are amazing like ninja supplies and fireworks and Uh birthday cake yeah yeah, and then stuff in movies. But I will say, like, I used to do that joke, and it's just been, like, it's hacky now. What? But, like, talking about the way I was raised before the internet versus after the internet. Mm-hmm. And the joke used to be, uh, I, my younger, it was, like, before you could Google, like, instant access to information and stuff. And it was, uh, my younger brother and I thought gremlins were real because we couldn't Google that shit. Back in the 80s, if you didn't know something, you just didn't know it. Right. And that was the joke. And that's kind of like this is an off offspring to that. Like it's funny that in my comedy I have these thoughts yeah. that can get expressed in, with inside different bits. But it's a very subtle thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just subtle, picked but up it's on. there. Yeah, and it's because I think Remlins came out when I was a little bit older. So mm-hmm. we wouldn't have asked for – Oh, no, when you're older than this story. Yeah, yes, than this story. Absolutely. But it's the same thing. Like there were times where like I thought – like I remember being five and my dad taking us to go meet Lou Ferrigno, but he didn't say Lou Ferrigno. He was signing autographs at a car show. So he didn't say Lou Ferrigno. He said the incredible Hulk. And I was five. And my favorite thing in life was the incredible Hulk. And when Lou Ferrigno walked out, I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? Where's the incredible? I was expecting to meet a 10 foot tall giant. Right. Oh, I'm just signing autographs. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, Jesus Hulkster. Yeah, not Hulkster, the other one. Yeah, because when you're a little kid, it's it's all real. Um, I wrote down, this is the end of this bit, but I wrote down uh, a couple things that you could have easily named this CD. <laughs> Here's the first one. Okay, I'm bracing myself. Chubby, you funny. Oh, yeah. I think that would have been okay, too. Not that it's better. It's just like, that sounds like a name of a CD. Yeah, you know what? I should have named that track. Instead of the China Palace, I should have named it Chubby, Chubby you funny. Chubby, you funny. China Powell says it's a Chinese food joke. Yeah, and you know what, dude? I, I wanna, that was an homage. Like, wait, where's, that, where's that Steve Simone Chinese restaurant joke? Yeah. I'm not looking for Chubby You Funny for that. Dude, that, it, was a, it was an homage to, to that little strip mall, tiny mm-hmm. Chinese restaurant that is barely still in business. Wow, yeah. Yeah, why not give it up for that specific thing? Yeah. You guys gave me this memory. Absolutely. Here's your title in return. Yeah. Wow. Um. Your brother co-ops the waiter's dialogue, too, in this. He's your older brother. Maybe your other brother? I don't even know what co-op means. <laughs> co-opt. Like, uh, to t- he takes it. Yeah. Like, doesn't take it away, but shares it with him then. Yeah. And he starts talking like, hold on. That was it. No, Chuck, oh, okay. you're killing me. Like, yeah. he didn't call you that until the waiter called you that yeah, once or twice. exactly. And that was not, I think that was the second time I ever said that on stage, and I've only said that two or three times. Yeah, because it's a little contrived. Mm-hmm. But um, no, I could say, but I don't know. You painted yeah. it pretty well, man. I could see a kid going, 
because you always try to act like older people. Absolutely. That's how you learn words. Like going back to the fast time example, I didn't really know what gnarly meant for 10 years, but I used the word anyway because I just wanted to sound like Jeff Spicoli. My my, uh, nephew, I went to visit them. Uh, I had my teeth out. My parents were there. Uh And um, so we're all sitting around. I was playing spit. You know that game spit? Were you at a dangle? No, no, no. The, oh, the card game? Yeah, the card game. Oh, yeah. You're talking about the bully game. <laughs> yeah, I was like, and you have to, yeah, if there's a seven, you have to put a, 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 an eight or a six. Yeah, on top spit, of it. spit in the ocean. Keep, keep going like, yeah, yeah, as yeah, fast yeah. as you can. It's the best. I haven't played that. I forgot that even existed. Yeah. I haven't played that since I was probably single digits and was probably <laughs> with my grandma. Yeah, yeah. It's great. So much fun. And uh, we were going back and forth, and I was not trying to let him win. I let him when he was like, oh, I got that first when I knew he didn't. Like, All right, I'll let it go. <laughs> How old is he? Uh, probably seven, eight. Awesome. Um, yeah, and so at some point, they were like, all right, you got to go to bed. Uh, and he was like, I'm in the middle of a game. I'm like, dude, we're playing. It's like, Ilana, this is kind of an epic game. Like, it's gone on for a while. Yeah. And then he's just, for the next month, he started saying the word epic. Hysterical. And she goes, I don't think he knows what it means. <laughs> But he just like he saw an older person he looked up to saying it, and then he just that's what I mean. Yeah, co-opted it. I'll just start best. using that. It's so great. Yeah, there was a kid in my neighborhood that would always use the word cynical, but he would use it like it was so cool. He'd be like, "Ah, oh, cynical." <laughs> that is a cool way to say yeah. it. <laughs> cynical bumping. <laughs> yeah. um, there's there's just one line I couldn't be sure what you said. You said you're you're the dog, Chris. So we're enemies. Yeah. That's what you said okay. It took me a couple listens to, yeah. to be able to hear it. So that means because like you're supposed to be you're, Enemy, you're the snake you're not supposed yeah, you don't get that along would with happen that. like but it wasn't just because you were enemies still from before when he was shitting on you about going to Chinese no I think what the the logic behind that line was now Marky has the mysteries of the Orient backing up his opinion of just what is see Chris your year of the dog we're always going to be enemies like this is not going to oh, change right it's just because you're year of the dog and I'm year of the rooster or whatever it is can't be helped yeah it can't be helped yeah so sorry yeah and it just comes out as a quick burst one line lost line but there's yeah. a lot of thought that behind all this stuff you threw a goddamn in here and now I'm realizing it's the second time you said it that's yeah. the biggest curse you've got yeah it's stupid goddamn. and that's it's such a dumb curse it makes me feel like Favreau in uh Rudy Remember that was his go-to curse word, in Rudy. Goddamn. Yeah, it's dumb. I love goddamn. Yeah, and you know what? I don't need it. Like it's you know, this what I'm thinking is even funnier because I went back and watched Rocky Three, yeah. and Mr. T is supposed to be the toughest guy ever. At one point, he's getting interviewed in character as Clever Lang, and he goes, "Oh shucks," yeah. and I went, "Okay, shucks, golly, all those words to me are way funnier than anything at this all point." That. And I'm sure I'll go through cycles with words. I get sick of words. Yeah. And I get excited on words, too. Yeah, I yeah. I wean myself of saying like again, like I was in high school. Yes. But I love it. I'm like, but now I'm saying it too much. I'm like, yeah, pull it I, back. Yeah, like back. I would ironically say stuff because yeah. like, it would be funny. Like, like. Like, you ever like, go to the store? Yeah, it's funny. And like, yeah, it's funny. But then you say it seven times in a sentence and you're like. Uh, yeah, and I, I remember I thought I invented the word funner because I was like, oh, this yeah. is really funny to uh-huh. use that as a word. But now it's it's words come in and out. Yeah. Now I want to hear this ending. I think it's a little weird. Okay. And it seems like you finesse them into understanding that you're done. And I do this too. I do okay. the same thing where the lines alone. You ever hear Burt Kreischer's um, uh, Tracy Morgan story? Yes. Okay. So he gets classic. Thro- classic. He gets thrown out of a like literally thrown out after seven minutes of fighting and everything. Yeah. He goes thrown out like, like in the cartoons. Yeah. And he goes, and then I get thrown out. And then Tracy Morgan's shirt gets thrown up the steps. Yeah. You know, Adam too. And he looks over at me and he goes, now that's how you get out of paying a $200 bar tab. Yeah. 
and the crowd erupts. Yep. There's no finessing it necessary. Now, with that in mind, listen to this. You weapons, they bring you fire. And the guy was like, hey, Chubby, before you leave, here's a cookie that tells the future. <laughs> Hell yes, Chinese food. It's the best thing ever. It's the best ever. You understand what I'm saying there? Yes. But it's, a, it's, it's like, I don't know. There's like extra lines going to be like, hey, guys, I'm done here. Applaud. Yeah, because this is a problem I have. And I'm just now that I'm starting to take comedies like more seriously. Uh-huh. There's a problem when you tell these stories that audiences, as soon as you stop talking, they'll laugh. Yeah. But it's like, how do you give them that chance to let it out? Because like as you're telling the story, as you're building the energy, like if you start lower, like that's really what storytelling is to keep people engaged. It's manipulating the energy you're yeah. giving them. But then as you start to go up the ramp, where it's like you saw a dragon. They bring yeah, you, you live fire, to- and here's yeah. a cookie that tells the future. Hell yes, Chinese food. Yeah. I don't know why I repeated it twice That in that particular moment. I don't know if I have before or since. Yeah. I don't know, but it's kind of like I, I know I just showed you the body language yeah. where I go, like I sweep my arm across my body where it's like this is the, this is the whole point to the story. Yeah. It's tough because there's so many details in there, too, that when you're like, and a thing that tells the future, it could easily be like, okay, then what? Right. But really, that's the end of your dinner. That's the end of Yeah, and I think normally I would uh, abide by the laws of three. I don't know if I did it on my CD, but I go, we, we, you see a those. dragon. You see, yeah. And I'm I was like, those. like, laws of threes are old. That's 80s a, comedy. Absolutely. It's not that it was, didn't work then. Correct. But we've moved on as a people. And, and it used to be like you need two things to set them up so they think down nope, this road. Exactly. And nope. now go, one thing's enough now. That's Thank it. You, and MTV. it's like, just tell them the best piece of advice I ever got on comedy I read. Uh-huh. from Jim Carrey and he talked about the OR and turning the OR into your family room and just making that group of strangers laugh like you would your family uh-huh. that's what this CD is Yeah, it's like I'm just going to tell the stories try killing them yeah try to yep you know this one time I told um, remember that Sydney Harbor Bridge story I yes myself. so we're, me and Yusuf were at Outside Lands what's Outside Lands uh, uh, music festival in San Francisco oh, cool. I was playing it and then they gave me free extra tickets so I'm like Yusuf you know people here right yep so um we were taking a shuttle back, the artist shuttle, uh-huh. from there to it's impossible to find any sort of cabs or Ubers after that. Everyone pours out of Golden Gate Park. Um, but they offered shuttles. So I'm like, yeah, let's get in. Nick Yusuf got in too. We're driving back. A couple musicians, a couple agents. Oh, no. I, I, you know, music agents. I don't know them. Just some people that were in this artist van. Somebody's like, uh, anybody know any stories? And I was like, somebody's like, no, I don't know. And I was like, I have one. <laughs> <laughs> I shit my and I just told it to, to people and Nick knew what it was so he was just sort of like smirking but yeah. man that maybe was the best rendition I've ever had because it was a real connection with real people absolutely and I could tell them this story and they were dying that's the whole reason what we, we, yeah. what we do what we do that's where you should record a storyteller show in a fucking van and be like oh I got a story yes that'd be amazing turn and tell six people yeah like, like a campfire Oh, I should do that. That's a good idea. That would be awesome. Some bonus footage and just like gets like six lucky audience members. Come on in. Mark Maron's going to tell you a story. That'd be amazing. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And then somebody tried to go afterwards. 
some oh. other guy's like, I, I have a story too. And I want to be like, dude, don't do this to yourself. Uh, I've worked on this for a year, you, man. Remember that scene in uh, Groundhog Day yeah. when Bill Murray's the bachelor at the bachelor auction and everybody's going crazy bidding on Bill Murray and then Christopher... Uh, Who's the guy from Get a Life? Oh yeah, oh, Chris yeah. Elliott. Chris Elliott goes up there and he's trying to he's sexy. trying to outdo Bill Murray. <laughs> um, okay, next bit is is this. Next bit is I'm not in shape. You guys are such a good crowd. <laughs> Hold on, I'm not in shape. <laughs> I gotta plan this out. <laughs> I go to talk sometimes and nothing comes out. I'm like, okay, time out. I'm breathing like chunk in the Goonies. Like, <laughs> remember when the Fratellas got him? Okay, in third grade, I made a batch of fake puke. Dude, I love that movie. Yeah, that was just a quick throw. Throw away. Twenty six seconds. Yeah. My only uh, note about this was you're really not. <laughs> you yeah. Really lose breath midway through material a lot. Yeah, I think it, it's such a. I just and this is a weird thought to have come into my brain. But I saw like an episode of Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives last week when I was on the road. Yeah, like when I'm flipping through. Show. Well, I love food and stuff. But for whatever reason, Kid Rock was the guy uh-huh. showing the, the... Some event Detroit? Yeah, showing the Diners, Drive-Ins, Guy Fieri dude around. And they were like, how do you stay so skinny if this is what you eat? He was like, I do two hours of cardio every night on stage. Oh, right. And it's like, that's what I do. It's a, it's a workout, man. Yeah. Yeah, it is. People don't get it too after I'm after probably the same thing. If you're on the road, two two night, two shows oh, a night, you know, an hour, an hour. After those, you want a party? It's like, dude, I need. I just need like thirty or forty minutes to sit down and let edit all. Yes, and it's like I'll catch up with you. I don't want to ruin your night. Plus, I realize now, like Fahim, I was in San Diego and I was like, oh, and he's like, you want to go out this place? I'm like, oh, that's how I was with Rogan. I was ready to go out and he needed to go eat. Yeah. So now I got to be understanding. Like you guys go, yeah. I'm I'll meet you up out. With you. you don't yes. have to worry about me. Exactly. I will catch up with you. Start it's the great party. That so many people lose that perspective. Yeah. They move to the next level and, and they, they forget, they what, forget it what, like. what it was like. People do forget what it was like. All right. Quarterback of fun. Also, could be a title for your CD. Didn't think of that till right now. Okay. You are the quarterback of fun. Uh, you guys are a fun crowd. Thank you guys so much for coming out. Because uh, I know. This didn't just happen tonight. I know. This is my theory on life. Like, when you're a little kid, like uh, Steve, he's got little boys. They're like three, four years old. They're programmed from fun. They're straight from heaven. They just show up, and they're like, let's do this. Ooh, ooh, they have fun instantly. And the older you get, the less easy it is to have fun. Like, you know you're officially a grown-up when you have to start planning your fun. Like, it takes decisions. Dude, like, even a night like tonight, this didn't just happen. This was plans. This was questions. This was phone calls back and forth. Right? Let's be honest. Friday first show, 30% of the people in here didn't even want to fucking come out tonight. Somebody had to convince them to have fun. Like, listen, bitch, I got comedy tickets. All right. Like, in every little group, there's one person that makes all the plans for a fun night. They're like the quarterback of fun. They put together their roster. They convince you to come out. They're the ones that are like, listen, we're going out. We're having fun. Do you want to hear about it on Monday, or do you want to come live a little bit of life tonight? And then then you have to convince your friends. You're like, well, what are we going to do? We're going to go see comedy. Okay. (laughs) Nobody's ever like, yes, comedy. It's always like... Uh, you over here though like, I don't know oh my god you guys right thank you 
Thank you. Because you're like, okay, comedy, awesome. Okay, where's the show? Okay, it's at the comedy store. Which one's that? Okay, it's in La Jolla. Awesome. Okay, let's see. Who's going to go? Why do you ask? Because do you have to be 21? I don't know. Let me call the club. Why do you have to? Larry wants to bring his brother. He's got a goatee. He looks 26. I just want to see if they check at the door. I've had those talks. Like, does, do you have to be 21? Does everybody have to be 21? What if you're 18 and you don't drink? Do you have to buy drinks? Is there a drink minimum? Do they have to be alcoholic drinks? Okay. How much does it cost? There's a question adults always ask. Is that fun? All right. How much is the fun going to cost me? I got your tickets, bro. Okay. Do they have food at the club? Oh, there's an idea. Did you want to eat before the show? Did you want to eat after the show? What are you in the mood for? Do you want to sit down fancy? Do you want to have Chinese food? Do you want to have Thai food? Do you want to, right? Everybody in here over 30 has gotten into a fight at least once over a goddamn restaurant. You're sitting at a restaurant. You think the other person wants to be there. They think you want to be there. And you're like, oh, forget it. Let's burn this place to the ground. Right? Millions of decisions. Oh, here's a question. Here's a question only an adult will ask. What time does the show start? Seven. Okay. What time does it end? <laughs> Think about what you're asking. That sounds like fun. But when's this fun going to fucking stop? That's great. <laughs> dude, that's, dude, that's like 30 decisions before you ever got into these seats. This bit uh, was an older bit that mm-hmm. I used to open up with. Yeah. And it was probably peaked about three years ago, two years ago. Yeah. And this is a very bad version of it. It's a very bad version of it. Really? Yeah. Because this used to be a 15-minute bit. Yeah, who wants to go out? Yeah, all that stuff, all the decisions and this and that. And I haven't done it in so long. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, that it wasn't fresh. Yeah, so I was like, I don't know. Yeah, and I knew I wanted to put it on the bit because it sets up the next one. Yeah. There's that line. And I was like, just get to the end and that'll set up the next bit. Oh, right. That's what you wanted. The cool thing about this one is I love hearing people like not be able to help themselves, but to agree. Yeah, it's true. And this guy, I want to find it. It's just so great. Start planning your fun. Like it takes decisions. Dude, like even a night. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's the best. It's like, yeah, I get that. You're right, man. There's nothing better for me as a comedian that even more than an audience laughing is if they get to the point where they're like, yes. (laughs) Like they can't believe that you just verbalize something that's been rattling through their brain and they haven't put A and B together yet to get to C. And they're like, you, you expressed it. That's what I've been thinking. Yeah. Like what is wrong? Why is things, why are things? different yes shane moss did a bit at the ucb uh about a year ago in la and i saw him he was talking about mushrooms mm-hmm. he's like they don't make you fucking halluc- they just make you think i th- forget the way he even said it but the way he said it is like it just takes you out of yourself so you, you just sort of break yourself down and i was like yeah it's so rare God. That there is something in life where that gives you that yes, this oh, guy gets oh, that's you know what's in my head. <laughs> it's the best because it's weird how you can think things and you know it, but then you just don't know how to say, say it. it. Someone, well, I think isn't that the the worst thing about the, learning how to be a comedian? What? How to express? Yeah, because you have all these funny thoughts in your head, and you're like, but how do I translate this? How do I get that into their heads? Right. And that's why I tell young comics it's like learning a new language. Because you know how to be funny. Now you just have to learn how to do it for strangers. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have one line like that I think I've ever had. Is I'm, I'm done letting people I hate choose who I live my life. Oh, that's amazing. And you see people like, oh, 
oh yeah, I got to change who I am. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, thanks. But it's not about me. <laughs> no, but that uh, is that's a, that's like brilliant. And then I wondered if this was your homage to Sebastian. I want to find this for you. Um, but just listen for it. I'm going to turn up the volume. Here it comes. It sounds so much like him. It's almost as if you're like not stealing a bit or anything, but just like this I is think like giving so up. So funny. For but here it is. Percent of the people in here didn't even want to fucking come out tonight. That one? That's it. Yeah, when you like whisper, didn't want to come out tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what I what I find so funny about Sebastian too is that I have so many similar thoughts. Mm-hmm. Where I go, I don't want to take that point of view. Right. I want to celebrate more. I want to look at the positive. Yeah. But everything he says, I'm like, right on. That's why. I but you're also it. shitting on the people the way they are when they shouldn't be that way. Yeah. But that shitting on them is like the way he would just shit on all of them with no hope. Yeah. But you know like, where that line came I'm from you over here. What? And I don't use it always, but there was, a. I guess it was this new year's. So it'll be three years, maybe Okay. two years ago. I was, it was new year's Eve. Yeah. And this bit, I, that's all I did was grownups have to plan fun. And it was new year's Eve. Oh yeah. And they all had to plan that. Oh my, it destroyed. Annihilation. Yeah. And then for whatever reason I went, I was, cause I was looking at them. Yeah. Like sometimes I have a bit and it works, but then I have to get out of my comedian head and go, why did you say this in the first place? What are you really trying to say? So you don't just, you don't just fall into the rut of saying the words. Yeah. What am I trying to say? And I looked out at them and I went, let's be honest, 30% of you guys didn't even want to be here tonight. Yeah. Somebody had to convince you to have fun. And you could tell either they knew someone who they had to convince or oh, they were the ones convincing. You're dude, like, that yeah. night, that room crumbled. It was just, it was main, just main, room like, bump, main room. Yeah. New Year's Eve comedy store just o'clock something like that boom yeah yeah it was killer golly um that's great that's great um all right so next bit is uh track eight let's stay awake oh yeah yeah yeah. let's listen to that and then we can talk about it okay I'm just saying when you were six years old there was no decisions to have fun right there was no decisions it was just like what do you want to do I don't know Let's stay awake. Hell yes! Best feeling ever. When you were a little kid, any minute you're awake past your bedtime was the best. Like you felt like you were a guy that just got out of jail. You were like, you can't keep a real G down. I'm alive! Because I remember the glory days. I remember being four, five, six. I had to share a bedroom with my little brother. And I didn't know at the time they were the best years of my life. I remember when we were so little, like my parents would still tuck us in. <laughs> like I remember my little brother being posted up in his bed waiting for my mom like, where the hell is this lady? <laughs> I had to put my PJs on myself, you know. I picked out two books and she's going to finish one of them. She will finish it. And then my mom would come in, and she was so sweet. She would tuck in my little brother, like, Marky, I'm so proud of you. You're such a sweet little guy. Play with your angel. Stevie, my special big brother, you're so good to Mark. Like, she was like a mom, like, really nice. My dad would watch it all go down. And he would just watch from the door. He would tuck us in, and then he would step back, let my mom do her thing. Then he'd be like, honey, uh, I just want to talk to the boys for a moment alone, if that's okay. Is everything all right? No, no, everything's all right. I'm just trying to ensure that it stays that way. My mom would leave. My dad would close the door. He'd be like, all right, guys, tonight, I don't want to hear a goddamn sound. Is that understood? 
And my little brother's like, but dad, we love you. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. It's not about love. It's about being quiet. We'll love each other tomorrow when it's wake time. Now it's bedtime. Quiet. He would turn out the light. We were so scared that we were quiet for like three minutes. Then my little brother would poke his head up. Steve, are you still awake? Hell yeah. Awesome. Dude, I got the best idea. I was like, what? He's like, tonight, let's stay awake to midnight. I was like, yes. Why midnight? Because it's midnight. I'm like, yeah, but why don't we just stay awake until 11? He's like, no, dude, it's not the same. Midnight or nothing. I'm like, how do you know it's not the same? What's the latest you ever stayed awake until? He's like, I don't know. I always fall asleep. He was smart. He was smart. Dude, he was a year younger, but he was so smart. Like, he was like one of those little kids that would read. You know what I mean? On purpose. Like, he's like, oh, this is interesting. Fascinating. I was like, oh my God, you're a nerd, right? So he was a year younger than me, but he would have to explain things to me and he would get frustrated. He'd be like, all right, dude, let, let me try to explain. Steve, do you know how, like, right now, it's today? I was like, duh. I'm not stupid. No, I'm not accusing you. I'm just trying to establish we both agree that it's today. Is that correct? I'm like, yeah, it's today. Okay. But then tomorrow when you wake up, I was like, it's tomorrow. No, dude. Tomorrow when you wake up, it's today again. I was like, (gasps) yeah. But when does today become tomorrow? And he was like, midnight. I was like, yes. Midnight must be magic. That's why you can't feed gremlins after midnight. He's like, exactly. It's the magic hour. That's why exactly at midnight, what we're going to do is we're going to go straight into the bathroom and I'm going to stare into the mirror exactly at midnight. And then I'm going to say Bloody Mary three times. I was like, no way, dude. If you do that, the devil shows up and he tries to steal your soul. And he's like, I'm not afraid. Okay, that's the track. Um, let me ask you a question about it. Okay. This will be at the end of the track. Okay. I'm just introducing it. I'll go uh, chop it up afterwards. Okay. Um, I was like, wait, we didn't get to hear so it. Yeah, some of the stuff works better at the end of a bit when okay. they let them hear it already than they know what you're talking about. And some of the stuff works in the beginning. But okay. what's your opinion of adults? What do you think of adults? What do you mean? You have, not in a negative way, you have uh, glorified on the CD, a child's life. I'm wondering what your opinion of adults is. I think being an adult, I think... Oh, uh, like you ever read J.D. Salinger? Like, yeah, I love J.D. Salinger. He doesn't trust adults. He okay. trusts children because their motives are pure. Okay, this is what happened with me. Just into, I, was always, I always got along well with dogs, old people. Mm-hmm. Like I love old people and kids. But now I think, like this is my point of view, and this is like kind of... The reason why I was trying, and this is my first effort. Like I said, I'm putting more of my point of view into the other comedy I'm writing now. 
but we have it better as adults. That if you choose to be, like being an adult is more fun than being a kid. It's more fun if you look at if you look at it from the right perspective. Like seventh grade, every day I have is a thousand times better than middle school. Why? Because I don't have to wake up when you tell me to wake up. I don't have to go to bed when you tell me to go to bed. I don't have to eat what you tell me to eat. I don't need a ride to the mall. I don't need your permission to watch this. I don't need your permission to listen to this. But it's like we get lost as adults. I think many adults are lost as to what's important. And to me, what's important is your family, your friends, and the experiences you share. I think we get lost in materialism. I think we get lost in our pursuit of false power. I think we get lost in what you said. That's why it was brilliant what you said. I will no longer let people that I hate dictate how I live. We get lost in all these false goals instead of focusing on experiences and relationships. And if, as an adult, if you choose your relationships wisely, if you have cool friends and you get to do cool stuff with your friends – there's an infinite happiness to be had. But if you're going, I'm not going to be happy until I have a Ferrari. Right. I'm not going to be happy until I get to corner office. I'm not going to be happy until I bang some- that supermodel. There's always a reason and to you'll be think miserable. Of another reason why not to be Correct. happy. Correct. Because you didn't want a Ferrari when you were seven. No. That wasn't even a goal. And then you just wanted a to goal stay away. Yeah. Hmm. So that's how, that's, that's. It is interesting. I mean, you set up all this. Uh, we haven't gotten to uh, uh, Saturday morning cartoons yet, right? No. But it, when we do get there, it's like, that is something that you can have right Whenever, now. That's the point. Almost every, every adult has a TV. Correct. And that's what all the stuff that, like, the pizza day bit didn't make this. Yeah. What happened to the pizza bit? Uh, I'm going to just put on the next one. It just didn't fit into this narrative. <sighs> but, like, the pizza bit, the thing I have about ice cream now, having ice cream for These are all the – I'm trying to – the best compliment I ever got. I'm waiting I was, for pizza to come. Somebody wants – a couple years ago, this really hot chick, too. She was like, this is the first time I ever felt happy about being old. When? <laughs> when she heard me do my comedy. Yeah. Because it was expressed in a way where I was like, isn't it great we get to do this whenever we want? Yeah. That's These are the it. choices we get to make now. We get to stay awake. We it's get to order pizza. Point, and guess what? You get to do it. Now you can. Exactly. Now you don't have to wait for Saturday to watch cartoons. Exactly. You can watch every day. Yes. And some of that's why on the new CD... That I'm already starting to build. I'm doing the Ari Shafir approach. Like, Building it. Build it. Yeah. Build like build the it. joy. Yeah. And then go, this is what I really meant. Like, I don't know if that's just my whole purpose as a comic yeah. or as a person, sorry, is just to remind people that we can enjoy this thing called life. And maybe it's because I'm so prone to depression and I'm so prone to uh, giving up and going, fuck everything. There's no point to any of it. That I have that to. you have to compensate by saying, guys, yeah. guys, we have a good thing. Yeah, and then I, I have to convince myself. I'm like, oh, let's get Chinese food. Let's get ice cream. Let's, Ari, can we come over and do a podcast? Because yeah. now, dude, you met me. Uh, met, we walked to the post office when I was yeah. mailing stuff for my niece and nephew. I was miserable yeah. an hour ago. And now I'm like, I'm hanging out with my buddies. This is the best yeah. thing ever. It's like those Christians that have come back to Jesus. And now they're like, no, it's all. It's like you're, you're pushing a little too hard. It's like, oh, you're trying to convince yourself. That this is the way to be. Oh well, that's so Shakespeare. Outwardly say it. Over yeah, and that's over again. that's why. Like, um, that, just that line in Shakespeare, doth me think the lady protests too much. Uh-huh. It it's like you know, in terms of belief systems, it's how do you live, man? Don't yeah. don't worry about what people say. It's how do you live? I think that's the main piece, the reason people get turned off with with the people like talking about Jesus and talking about that sort of stuff. 
is I just if they just said, "Oh no, I'm saying this out loud for me. You guys do whatever you want to do." Yeah, people would accept them way more, way more because it comes out like you need to do this. You well, need to the do that. problem is, I think some people become very judgmental yeah. because they think uh, they're missing out. And they're like, oh, you shouldn't be doing drugs right. and banging chicks. That makes you a bad person. Whereas, I guess so. Yeah, I, I take the other approach. I'm like, eh, I don't judge anybody, man. Yeah. It's just like, what's. Rogan used to have an old bit. I don't know if he ever did it on anything, but about um, people judging him kind of like that and just remembering it and coming home in, in, in Vegas at fucking 6 a.m. or stumbling home from a night, you know, whatever, as someone else is getting up to go to work. Yeah. And they pass each other. Yeah. You know, that guy's leaving to get his yeah. car and he sees you all like bleary eyed and they look down on you. And Joe was like, if you could smell my finger, <laughs> that's hysterical. your worldview would change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for me, like I tried other stuff and I realized the only thing that makes me personally happy, like I said, is my relationships, family, friends, mm-hmm. and, the, and the good times we share together. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Now I want to play you something else because this is at this point, I feel like you've set up this world where it's a child's world. Yeah. Um, it's in Let's Stay Awake. How long is that? Yeah, the, I think the biggest it. laugh of the CD comes in here. Really? Well, yeah, and it was an improvised that. line. What was it? What do you want to be when you grow up? Let me hear the let me hear the thing again. That's it. Okay. Where, where the hell is this lady? Yeah. At this point, here's what I like. You have set up a world in which we are now only looking at children. The only adult characters in here are your occasional um, commentary on the child's life. Okay. And your father. Okay. That's pretty much the only uh, adults in here. And the Chinese guy, waiter. That's interesting. But it's all from it. the characters of these kids. Okay. The main characters, you and Marky. Uh, Chris is there too. Then your dad. Then either your mom or the Chinese guy. Yeah. And then the other one. But yeah. it's almost all the kids. Yep. So now, now that you've set up this world of like, this is a child's world. Mm-hmm. For Marky to then go... Where the hell is this lady? Which is a very adult-like thing to say. It's hysterical. Doesn't work until you set up. Correct. Like, this is the last thing you would think of someone. Absolutely. That's what I meant. It takes about, I don't know what point in the CD this is, but I'm going to guess. This is track eight, 60% of the way through. That This is maybe, maybe 55. In. So it's like probably. Because those last tw- bits are all long bits. Yeah. This. You know what I think it is? What? It's probably Chinese figure Chinese foods twenty minutes, yeah. And then the one right before this was quarterback of fun, right? Yeah, uh, quarterback, of fun, yeah. So this is about twenty. This is what the what I was talking about takes about twenty twenty five minutes to lock in, and that laugh. There's a bigger one in this bit. That's uh, it, that laugh is not standalone. Yeah, twenty three minutes in. That's exactly what I mean. And I I feel at not this point thirty percent. Yeah, exactly twenty. It's exactly what I thought. Like they are in this world with me, yeah. And now the subtleties become funny. Yeah. Now you can start challenging the norms that you've set up. Correct. It took this long to get connected. Where if I walked out on stage and had a five minute spot, that's yeah. why I like late night television, something I'm just not going to do. Right. But if I had a five minute spot and I go, my little brother's posted up in his bed, and he goes, "Where the hell is this lady?" The audience would be like, "Did he? How old is he again? Why, I don't understand. Why, why is he?" He has that type of attitude towards his mom. Yeah. It's all taken out of context. What the hell is this lady? Yeah. And then that bit is just like, I remember having those conversations with my little brother. Like, ah, what? Are, like the thought when you're a little kid, it's like, what in the world's more important than me? Yeah. 
It's like, what do you where, have to do? I had to put my PJs all on I, myself. All you got to do is tuck me in and you go back to your business. <laughs> it's like, I'm talking to my mom. She's on the West Coast and she's going to sleep. Like, what? come on. Exactly. <laughs> so funny. I love when people don't so understand that other adults do that too. Like, how, how hard would it be just to write this one email to me? Just I just need a recommendation for my business. And that's why I don't break anybody's balls. And you're like, yeah, 20 people are asking them. You're yeah. not the first person they're rejecting. Yeah. You're the ninth person they're rejecting. Correct. And that's just one facet of their job. And then yeah. this is a real human being that's probably having issues at home that has shit that everybody's dealing with so much. But when you're selfish, like little kids tend to be, you yeah. don't see the person from a 360 degree angle. No, you sure don't. That's why I love that movie, St. Vincent. I'm just giving that a quick plug that it one? doesn't need. The Bill Murray movie. Oh, yeah. It's great because it just shows people as beautifully flawed people. It's really? Great. Yeah, it's awesome. What'd you think of Blue Jasmine? Never saw it. <sighs> it's pretty good. When I want to see it just I was for like, dice. When I was like, eh, it's pretty good. And then afterwards, I kept thinking about it and thinking about it. And I was like, if a movie does that to you. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, I want to hear this biggest laugh. That's the laugh coming up. Oh, that, it's coming up? Yeah, that 18. <laughs> what time is it right now? And I had this Casio watch that lit up. That dude, it was excellent. I didn't have to turn on the light to get us busted. I just had to find this little button and it would light up. I felt like Michael Weston in Burn Notice. I was like, what a guy. <laughs> the best, right? So I'm looking for the little button, and I'm like, it is 917. And he's like, oh my God. It's almost midnight. Knock it off in there. It's almost midnight. I was like, yes. So now we have like three hours to kill. Right, me, my little brother. I'm like six. He's like five. I might be seven. He's like six. We're in those glory years. We have three hours to just stay up, talk, try to figure out life. Like my little brother loved. Like he loved. He would always be like, Steve. What do you think you're going to be when you grow up? I was like, I don't know. Okay, let me rephrase. What do you want to be when you grow up? I was like, mm, I would like to be a member of the A team. He's like. Mm. <laughs> he was like awesome he's like do you have a backup plan I was like pro wrestler right? he was like mm, shrewd shrewd okay now ask me ask you what ask me what I would like to be when I grow up Mark Yes. What do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, thank you for asking. I too would like to be a member of the A team. But if that's not possible, I'm thinking about cosmetic dentistry. I was like, what? I was like, what? I was like, you want to be what? A dentist. I was like, why? He was like, Dr. Goldstein makes a lot of cash. That's still a cash business. HMOs haven't affected it. The best is, dude, he's a dentist now. I'm not lying. He grew up to do it. So, he would love, he loved these talks. Because we're not fighting. It's peacetime. It's nighttime. We're just hanging out. We're whisper talking back and forth. There's just something about whispering that is just more fun. You know, like I'm a full-blown grown-up. But if somebody comes up to me with a whisper, if they're like, Steve. I'm like, what? 
Right, like you feel like you're getting a secret or something. This would go on forever. And my little brother loved these talks so much that he never wanted them to end. He would never be like, you know what, dude? I'm getting tired. Good night. I'll see you tomorrow. No. He'd keep on talking to that last little breath left his body. Like, he sounded like a cowboy that got shot at the end of a movie where he'd just be in bed like this, like, ah. Oh, that's awesome. Steve, do I have all my blankies on? Yeah. Why? I'm getting cold, buddy. I'm getting cold. What time is it? It's 9.36. (laughs) I don't think I'm going to make it to midnight. Promise me. You'll tell me what it looks like. (laughs) So that's all we needed. Thank you, guys. Right? Like, that's... Just staying awake was the greatest thing in life. Okay, but uh, well, it's something I want to ask you first. Sure. I like the, when you repeat the midnight, but quieter after your dad yells. We're like, it's almost midnight. It's like dad's yelling. It's like it's almost midnight. <laughs> exactly. Uh, when did that come into the bit? I don't know. Just at some point, you just like added it. Yeah, it's weird. Like when you, well, for me to 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 get ready to record something, because like so much of how i i don't there's not a um i just tell it like that time in that moment yeah but then you go the craft of being a stand-up comic is okay what worked this time let me keep what worked let me get rid of what didn't work uh-huh. and you try it and you do it again you go i'm going to definitely say the stuff that worked but i'm going to go off on this little tangent maybe that'll work and then keep a much as much of it to keep on refining it and getting it better and better and better yeah but I don't know where that came, at what point in the process that came along. Because, like I said, I'll get it to work, and then I step back and go, "What? what what's really happening here?" Because we, it's so easy to lose perspective, and you go, "No, it's two little kids that want to stay awake but don't want to get in trouble." Right. And that, so then it's like we're still awake. That's yeah. what makes it funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You just don't want to get in trouble. This reminds me of um, when we were all camping at Malibu Creek State Park and uh, mushrooms yeah. and. Um, um, me and Madonia and Mervis. What a crew. I love yeah, those guys. It, we had wandered off to try to find, we found this little like altar. Uh, it was just a place where people had like outside like plays. Oh, okay. Like for little kids. I mean, it's a campsite. Okay. Not like a campsite. But, um, and they're like, oh, cool. And we saw these, these couple forest rangers walk by and Mervis didn't have his dog on a leash and he just like held him by the collar and he's like, hey, hey, hey. Yeah. Acting like it was normal. Like, of course we have a leash, you know, like. It's so funny. And then um, they walked by, like, I'll see you later. later. Have a good day. And, all right. Then they went on. That's all we thought of it. But then they went to their campsite where everybody else was. And Willie was there, and Edgar, and Marino, and Marino's girl, and yeah. uh, Lucas Hurl. And they come over, and, like, you guys are being too loud because they were making a lot of noise. And Marino could not stop barfing. 
and laughing and barfing and barfing and laughing. Oh my god! Edgar's the only one that's in shape enough to, to explain to this guy what's happening and try to like. I don't know, officer. We're fine. It's like, what's wrong with your friend? Um, yeah, I think he just had a little too much to drink. And um, he goes, "What's in these grinders?" And he goes, oh. and he opened it up, but Madonia cleaned them all out. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, but um, anyway, they told him like, "All right, you guys got to shut up. It's time, time. You know, there's other campers around yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. You guys got to be quiet." And um, so they all went to their into the camp, into the um, tent. We hadn't come back yet, but they all went to their tent, and then. Uh, Edgar and Lucas and Marina were all still like giggling and laughing. Like, and then later, we'll get to, we'll get to, you know, and then, but Willie was too freaked out because he's a Southern black man. And when, when white authority tells a Southern black man to be quiet, they just get like weird. So uh. he's like, God, shut up. We're going to get in trouble. But Edgar was like, that was an amazing moment. We're all going like, and then later, we're going to best. Do this. Like I used to have that bit was almost getting in trouble is fun. Almost getting in trouble. Yeah. Like that's why underage drinking, I was like, the underage drinking is the best because of that oh i hope we don't get busted yeah. cops run and then you run and you're like ha, 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 i can't get in trouble <laughs> yeah so that was a bit that didn't make the the cd and but yeah that's that's what it is it's that feeling it's that emotion yeah and that's exactly why i wanted to do it because everybody has those like they might not have had that feeling when they were seven you had it as a full-blown grown-up with park rangers right, you right. know how great is that yeah. <laughs> it's the best and then later because it happened at the end so we came back uh Mervis got his dog got sprayed by a skunk uh. and he got sprayed a little bit going back to find him <laughs> uh, but the skunk was already like he had already used this stuff so he barely had anything left for big merv uh no, he used it on some coyotes, a skunk. Oh, okay. Um, and so then, uh, so he just got him a little bit. The dog was pushing his face in the dirt trying to rub it out. <laughs> yeah, like, you guys got to get in that shower right now. You got to get in that shower. There was a shower there we could use, but it's going to be freezing cold. And he's like, oh, fuck, I don't want to do this. Like, dude, you have to. Right yeah. now, you got to get in there. And so I ran back to get my towels. Like, I have a towel. You can just have it. Nice. And as I was happening, I, I unzipped my bag, and Willie came out of his tent. He goes, you got to keep it down, man. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at him. I didn't know any of this stuff had happened yet with it being quiet. Oh, that's funny. And, uh, and I looked at him. I realized he was having a little, and I just put my hand on his shoulder. I was like, hey, Willie, you're going to be good, man. You're going to be fine. That's awesome. And I left, and he was not fine. He hitchhiked away with a cop. What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> he got a and that, kids, is a story for another day. <laughs> All right, let's hear this giant laugh. It's a re- it's a ridiculous laugh for something that's really for taken out of context. It's not funny. It's like what? Who cares? It is because it's like what if I could be anything? You just you sort of for now have forgotten again that that could possibly be a job title you, anyone would want. <laughs> right? I think I'd like to be a member of the A team. It's just so. St- <laughs> I like this pattern of lawyering from Marky. He's a very like lawyerly. Yeah, always very and, logical and like let me walk you through this. Exactly, and that was why I decided. Do you remember when we did that San Jose gig? It was back in February, maybe, Jen. You were like, you're going to open up with Chinese food? Because yeah. I had the thought. I go, maybe if I do this right, yeah. it'll introduce the characters. Yeah. And that's why this bit works a little bit better now because they've bought into that character of based on my younger brother. Right. That he is lawyerly. That he is logical. That he is going to get you to think it through. He's going to pr- ask the probing questions that get you to get to the answer. He's a cuter Bud Bundy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a smart one in the family, but he hasn't been jaded yet by his desire for sex. Um, um, what do you think of your little brother? What about him? I don't know, he seems pretty smart. He's I'm the best. Like, he's maybe the main character in here. I'm just wondering. Yeah, it's interesting. 
because I remember Jimmy Pitt of all people. And I, I was, wrote down, I would like to be a member of the A team. Great. <laughs> uh, that's hysterical. And it was Pitt of all people. He's like, Hey man, uh, your bit is a lot like Bill Cosby's. And I was like, what? Cause I wasn't like, Oh fuck. Yeah. That's, that's the worst thing a comic can hear. It's like, yes. Fuck. Cause immediately you're like, all these thoughts rush into your mind. I'm going to accuse of plagiarism. Absolutely. I'm going to have to lose my best bit. Yep. Even if I don't get accused on my own, before I get accused, I'm going to have to lose this. Right. Fuck. Right. So this then is I. trouble. Right. And then I went back and I heard the Cosby Yeah, you got to go listen to it. Yeah. And it's similar in the sense that it was about two little kids staying awake. Right. And their dad coming in with a belt. But it was more like my dad's the authority figure and we, we don't want to get hit with the belt and how him and his brother are fighting. Whereas, like, I get that we're in the same environment. It's two little yeah. kids sharing a bedroom. Yeah. And we're, but there was no mention of midnight or staying awake to stay awake. You can write a bit about the dentist. You can write a bit yeah, about. Yeah, that's my point. It's like, well, if somebody goes, this is just the- about relationships. Oh, no, bro. I talk about my girlfriend yeah. on stage. Right? You don't get topics. You get material. You don't get topics. Right. You don't, that's not yours. But the name of that album it was taken from. And I remember. What was the name of the album? It was To My Little Brother Russell, oh. with whom I slept with. Uh-huh. And I went because my younger brother's been so supportive of me over mm-hmm. the years in a way like in a lot of ways emotionally like, financially all of it like a lot of ways like a way a parent should almost like even yeah. though he was my younger brother he supported me in a ways that he paid your rent he did everything and he was he Coach never stopped yeah he never like one I mean I w- I still want to quit comedy yeah you know and he would never let me do it. And I was like, okay, this is has to be, this has to be kind of like the love letter to him. So, I I sent him the uh, the first copy of the CD. I go, dude, are you okay with me presenting this version of you, this yeah. comedic yeah. character? He heard that those bits before about him, right? I mean, you've been yeah, but then when you put it all together, and like you said, dude, this CD is like, pretty hey, man, much it's about, a lot about him. me. It's not yes. just a joke. Come on, exactly. Yeah, already. there's a big difference between doing a five minute bit that's not worked out for twelve people at the comedy store, yeah. and then doing like an hour's worth of material. Yeah, and that's and the funny thing is, like my parents, my dad used to say we used to fight all the time when we were little. Like all this stuff, I don't even know if I mentioned it on the CD, but I go, he loved these talks at night because we weren't fighting. Right. But during the day, bro, we. I'd be like, I hate you. And he'd be like, I hate you more. I remember all the, all the stuff about playing video games. It wasn't on here, but like all this Oh, stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. It's just battles. Battles. Angry. Fuck, I'll fucking kill you. Yeah. Like, and then the cool die. thing about life is like, I didn't, I mean, the older we get. I can't move my guy. I can't move my guy. <laughs> I can't move my man. I can't move my man. Hit man. pause. Hit pause. <laughs> Maybe I'll put that on the next CD. Nobody cares about your struggle. <laughs> just dominating you. Oh, really? Uh, I'll, I'll get paused when I can. So great. Uh, I loved his also like uh, um, him saying, you know, you saying I want to be a member of the A-Team and then him going like, I would also like to be a member of the A-Team. And then, is that how he says? Something. And then too, he goes, but I also, if I come to that, I would like to grow up to be, um, to go to cosmetic dentistry. Yeah. That was so adult. Yeah. Such well, a good like mislead. Oh, thanks, man. And well, my younger brother, what I think the word is precocious. Yeah. Like I remember he would he would ask adults like how much money they made. Yeah. As like a seven year old kid, he'd be like, "Hmm, is that the uh, Eldorado? Is that a Cadillac Eldorado? Hmm, what year is that? Le- leather interior?" And people would die laughing because <laughs> here's like this skinny little six year old kid checking out their car. Hmm. So. What do you put in your back pocket every year? Because I remember, like the little kid, he like heard that term. Yeah, he had heard that term. Yeah, I just think like, that's now, what, what, you, what do you make? What are you putting in your back pocket? 
Heard it in the beginning of Splash or something. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We learned everything from television, my brothers and I. Man, you do really paint such a clear picture of all this stuff, though. I mean, when you're talking about talking up until the moment of falling asleep, like trying to struggle, like, oh, God. Yep. I, 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 it brought me back to memories of sleepaway camp when everybody's talking in a dorm. Yeah. You know, and you're all like talking to each other. And one by one, you just drop off and you don't want to stop you being part of the conversation. That's the thing. And so you're like, and you're fighting it, but you're tired and you're in bed and you've been playing archery and stuff all day. And yeah, you're tuckered you're out. out. Yeah. Like just, it's all, yeah, just that's all you can. <laughs> exactly. You can wake up after they've been napping for like 20 minutes and then give you another five minutes of playtime and then right back to sleep. Yeah. Like it's just it's out of batteries. It's hysterical. Yeah. Um, all right. This Richie Rich bit. Unless there's something you want to add. No, that's it. Okay. I don't. I will say this. I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to write a bit that good again. Uh, yeah, I get that feeling too. Sometimes when I write a good bit, and then after I record it too, I'm like, "Fuck!" I yeah, I don't get there. Like there, there were some bits on this thing where I go, "I don't know, man." Like some of the great stand-up comics only had an hour or two in them. Yeah, and I'm going, "I hope people buy this CD or at least hear it." Otherwise, you're done. I'm like, I don't know what else I have left in the tank. Yeah, I know that feeling, but tr- I mean, I, I hate to say trust me, but like. When you start putting the same creative energy into new things, I hope you have that energy. It doesn't like, you know, it's like if you have a battery and you're like, well, I'll plug it into this, the zoom, the recorder. And it's like, okay. But then it's like, no, it's needed for the zoom recorder. But like, if you stop using that battery for a zoom recorder, you can play game boy. Yes. A whole new different yeah, thing. You're right. Same yeah, energy. You're right. It just goes into something else. Yeah. And my stand up, I don't know if I'm going to be able to put together these stories like this, but I'm, uh, evolving as a comic too so mm-hmm. hopefully that'll work like i just i remember it was this simple it was just being awake you're like i'm alive <laughs> like i have a uh, nieces and nephews and i'm so happy that they're still enjoying little kid stuff like the simple little kid stuff because i was nervous when they were real little kids i it was the first time i started to realize the world they were living in and how technology was changing childhood I remember this has to be like, I don't know, eight years ago, and we're in the back seat of my brother's SUV. It's like a normal person car, okay? And I have my nephew right here. He's two, about to turn three. My niece is four, about to turn five. And we're just in the back seat of their car. And my nephew looks at me and he goes, Uncle Stevie, do you want to see something cool? I was like, yes. (laughs) Right? So he gets all excited and he hits a button and boom, a TV came down in the back of their car. I was like, oh my God. You have a TV in the back of your car? And my niece looks at me like I'm crazy. She goes, Uncle Stevie, you don't have a TV in your car? I'm like, I don't even have a car. This is amazing, right? And my nephew was like, it gets better. I'm like, what's better? And he hits the button, and we're watching cartoons in the back of the car. I couldn't believe it. Like, they're watching real deal Disney cartoons. They have SpongeBob DVDs they're watching. And I go, whoa, you guys have cartoons. And then after a while, the kids are already bored with it. They're like, we want to play a game. And I'm like, why? You have cartoons in the back of your car. And my niece was like, what's the big deal? And I'm like, what's the big deal? When I was your age, there was only one kid in the whole wide world that had cartoons in the back of a moving car. And his name was Richie freaking Rich. And they only existed in comic books. You kidding me? I've been waiting 30 goddamn years for cartoons in the back of a car. Let's go around the block, Jeeves. I'm ready to rock. Okay, now this track 10, Richie Rich, mm-hmm. is the first time you're now bringing in current level children. Yes, and this is an older bit, and yeah. I think this might have been one of the few places where Lee did an edit. Because uh-huh. I didn't do this bit on all the shows. 
Oh, okay. Um, and I think Lee was like, no, you have to do it. But I used to do a bit, like I, I mentioned it here before, um, that the internet changed childhood. So if that was the topic sentence of my stand-up comedy of, say, six years ago, five years ago, yeah, about this Richie Rich thing was like before the internet type thing. And this was just one way to get into like I would do a bit where I wanted to talk about Saturday mornings. And I was like, how do I get this transition mm-hmm. to start talking about Saturday mornings? What was the big deal about Saturday mornings? What was the big deal about cartoons? And then it was, this is a truth. You were and, in the backseat of your car with your, yeah. Kid, with your and it Nick was nephew. probably the real life event that inspired. This was probably seven or eight years ago. Uh-huh. And we were on our way back from Hershey park. <sighs> Yeah, and the, my my nephew was like, "Oh, it's what?" And then after two minutes, because it's a road trip with kids, they start watching too. Yeah, and they were watching, and then they're like, oh, "I'm bored," and I'm like, "What do you mean you're bored? You have cartoons in the back of your car." We had Battleship. Yeah, we had tra- if you were me, lucky. Travel Battleship. Yes, and that game where you turn someone's colors into your colors. Uh, Not Othello, but something like that. High C or something. It was a card game. High eight. No, it was these pegs you put in. And you have to like make lines, and if you can make a line, then you turn their colors, and you, and you can make a line straight and a line diagonal. And it wasn't Battleship. It no, it was wasn't Battleship. And, and it wasn't Light Bright. It was kind of like Othello. The way like if if you have three colors here and I have one on top, if I put a color on the bottom, all your colors turn to my color. Oh, that's awesome. It was like high high eight or high C. It wasn't high C? I think like H I dash something. So, uh, dude, we're gonna have to Google it. Yeah. <laughs> And so then you've managed to bring it and bring this in, and so now you can start talking about the the, the Saturday morning cartoons because the yes. way this leads off, I mean, yes. finishes off. Yep. I didn't ask you uh, how come you called it Midnight Cowboy that track? Just a fun play on. Yeah, because because okay. people I've never seen that movie. Me neither. And I know it's like really dark. I assume it's not about staying up till midnight. Right. And then the line is, "My little brother sounded like a cowboy that got shot at the end of a movie." Oh yeah. And like I. The better pop culture reference was Yoda. When Yoda was, he sounded like Yoda when he was dying. Like, it doesn't work as good. Everybody can relate to that cowboy imagery for whatever reason, where it's like the canteen. Like I used to get my brother the water. And like sometimes if I were to still do this bit, I'm not water from the bathroom. Get it from the kitchen. (laughs) Like it was a last request. And I'd go downstairs and get him the water and I have to pour it down his throat for him. Like, I'm not going to make it, buddy. We, <laughs> yeah. we both know it's not going to happen. <laughs> well, isn't that Kevin where he's in the back of the bus and one of them's like has a nosebleed on the guy's shoulder? I, they did on I never belt. saw that movie. I, and it's just the cowboy reference and the midnight reference. And I went, yeah. let's just call it Midnight Cowboy. It's a fun title. Yeah, it's funny. Because it really is like these people are breaking the law to stay up till midnight. They're midnight cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> not midnight cowboys, but midnight cowboys. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, I like it. Um, and I see little, like, my niece and nephew, I'm proud of them. They're, they're still having fun. But, like, they live in this world of instant gratification, you know? Like, they think of things and then they're able to get things. Like, I remember one of the things that I look forward to most when I was a little kid was Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah! Dude, you remember that, Joy? Bro, you remember that? Dude, Saturday morning? Oh, my God. That was the motivator to get you through your little school week. Like, Saturday morning for a chubby eight-year-old in the 80s was more fun than Friday happy hour is now for a full-blown alcoholic with shaky hands. Like, 
You know what I mean? Like, you look forward to it all week. And I, because I remember, I hated waking up for school. When I was little, I was always trying to stay awake late because I always thought as soon as we went to bed, my parents like brought out the champagne and they're like, the kids are asleep, let's party. And I'm like, life's going on. There's gremlins out there and ninjas are breaking into the house. Like, I always wanted to stay awake. I always thought I was missing out. So Monday through Friday, I didn't want to wake up for school. I was like the last kid awake in the house. My mom would be like, Stephen Anthony, you're going to be late for the bus. And I'm like, what time is it? She's like, it's 8.15. And I'd be like, Jesus. And I get her out of bed and I look at my watch. I'm like, bitch, it is 7.48. I got 20 more minutes of sleep, right? I hated waking up. That's my point. I don't know why I shared that. I'm just saying I hated waking up for school. But on a Saturday morning, I didn't even need to set a goddamn alarm clock because the anticipation of fun would wake me up. At 5 o'clock in the morning, I would just pop up in my bed like an army ranger about to take out the Taliban. Do you remember when Schwarzenegger and Predator, you just see his eyes in the mud, like, I got you, bitch. That was me popping up in my bed. I'm sitting up before I'm even awake, and I'm like, it's motherfucking Saturday! No shower, no bath. I'm in my snuggly Chewbacca PJs. I want to jump down the steps and run into the kitchen before my big brother's awake, because if I'm the first one awake, I can have three, maybe four bowls of delicious Apple Jacks and peace and quiet, right? And I'm drinking that sugar milk from the bottom of the bowl, which is Jack Daniels. When you're six, that's all because you're like, mother effing sugar milk, take away the pain. And it always did. I'd be like, sugar milk! My little brother would wake up and he's like, what are you eating? And I was like, Apple Jacks! And he was like, awesome! Make me Fruity Pebbles. We don't have Fruity Pebbles. We have Apple Jacks. And he's like, is mommy awake? No, it's like six in the morning. He's like, good. Because we got Fruity Pebbles. I'm like, no, we don't. Check the kitchen. No, they're not in the kitchen. Huh? Mom thinks she hides them in the garage. But I watched. I'm like, what do you mean you watched? She thinks she hides them in there, but I know where all the junk food is. I'm like, well, go get that, dude. Now, here's the thing. I was chubby. My older brother was heavy. My older brother so skinny that you could see his heart beating in his chest when he got excited. No lie. He was like, okay, time me. So now his heart's going in his chest, and I'm counting on my stopwatch. He's running into the garage. You hear bikes falling over, lawnmowers starting up. My mom would hide everything in a trash bag like the boys will never look in here. Wrong. Mark knew. But he's so little, he can't lift up the trash bag. He's just sliding it. He looked like the Grinch after he stole everybody stuff, right? And he's got this giant trash bag. He drops it right in front of the TV set. He's like, I told you. And the first thing he pulls out is a two-liter bottle of Mountain Dew. Guys, before there was Red Bull or five-hour energy, there was Mother F and Mountain Dew. Twice the sugar. Twice the sugar. Twice the caffeine. And he's drinking it straight out of the two-liter. He looked like a rapper drinking a 40 of St. Ides back in the 90s. He's like, glue, glue, glue. Mountain Dew! Now his heart's pounding in his skinny little chest. And he rips open cheese curls at 6 o'clock in the morning. And he's shoving them in his mouth. And that orange cheese curl dust is floating in the air like cocaine in The Departed. Do you remember Nicholson had his orgy? And he's like, cheese curls, cheese curls! And he's getting excited, so he's backwashing everything into the two-liter. Bro, there's particles of stuff floating in there. It looked like a bottle of Goldschlager. It was disgusting. Disgusting. He's like, do you want a swig? I'm like, I'm good, bro. I got ding-dongs right here. (laughs) Then he goes into the bag, two little hands, and pulls out a fresh box of Fruity Pebbles. 
There's nothing as an adult that brings me the sim- simple joy of a box of cereal when you were six because you pulled out and he's like, I told you. And Fred and Barney always look different. He was like, who the hell is that? I go, I guess it's Barney. Must have a new guy, right? And then you turn the box around. There's a maze on the back and he's like, you start at the end. I'll start at the beginning. Meet in the middle. Solved it. Now, you had to be careful opening the box. You already took in the, 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 the experience of the fresh box. You felt the delicious cereal in there, but you had to be careful and patient opening it because if you rip that flap air would get in there and it'd go stale so you had to gently open it okay and he's pulling that bag apart with those precise fingers of a dentist just as that Saturday morning <laughs> bro he had those hands then that Saturday morning sun's just starting to rise and it's glistening off those virginal fruity pebbles they were a superior product they were never touched by air yet they made rainbow sugar milk it was the nectar of the gods it was like liquid peyote you would drink it and dead relatives would show up and they'd start giving you life advice never right and then here's the amazing thing it tasted so good and it would get soggy on your spoon but it was still crunchy enough to cut the roof of your mouth so you had to get a rhythm you couldn't eat it too fast and you're like oh this is so delicious this is so delicious steady slow down and then more important than the cereal was the prize from the bottom of the box and he with his bony little fingers he could get his hand all the way to the bottom and not even touch cereal he'd be like I almost got it I almost got it hold on here we go oh my god we got and I'm like, oh, snap, ink these pipes up, son. So over here, I have a serpent. He's got trucks tattooed across his forehead. We're three inches away from the TV set like this. He's like, what time is it? Time for Mother F and Smurfs, high five. Are you kidding me? It was the best day ever. It would run from seven in the morning till noon. Then afterwards, it was either pro wrestling or soul train. Either way, you, it's a win. It was the best day ever. Okay. Then you start talking about Saturday morning cartoons and sugar milk. Yep. This, that guy, whoever he was, erupted when you said um, Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. Here's, I don't know if he had heard it before and he was like, I don't know. Yeah, finally, or? Yes, that's the weird thing because this bit I know has, I started to write this probably four years ago. Mm-hmm. And I don't even like doing, I don't really like doing bits during that first four months when you're trying to cobble them together. We're like, oh, like where you're excited to go, and then this, and then this, and then yeah. this, and then the, I got the bit to the point where I would this bit I wrote in La Jolla. Oh, really? Because I wanted to get. How do I get to the Hulk Hogan story? I'm like, when did I first really start to watch wrestling? Oh, I started to watch it on Saturday mornings. Then I was like, this is such an obvious premise. I'm sure other comedians have touched on this, but they hadn't. Uh, I don't really. Nobody, and I'm like, this is such a common experience not definitely not in that in depth maybe somebody makes a passing line to it but right so then i got to the point where the bit worked and then i would break it out whenever i was doing a road set or whenever i was getting really paid to do comedy and then i got to the point where i stopped i didn't do this bit for like two years i put it up on youtube and then i would only do it when audiences if i needed the time to headline yeah or if, if i was like all right i need to this audience isn't paying attention i have to hit them with haymakers and this bit is filled with haymakers. And I forgot that <laughs> when people haven't heard it, yeah. oh my God, it they crushes. lose their minds. Yeah. yeah, they lose their minds. Yeah. Your brother's like Gollum the way he watches. The way he watches your mom. I, st- I it's never. just like, I saw. <laughs> I saw what you did. Precious. Yeah, I saw her. She hit. She thinks no one watches, but she was watching. <laughs> she didn't know about Gollum. <laughs> Why did your mom hide Fruity Pebbles and leave you a Because we were fat. But she left you with Apple Jacks? 
Yeah. Okay. Here's the thing. We were little boys. Yeah. Number one, it was a different time. It was the eighties. Okay. Tell me your mom didn't think Apple Jacks were healthy because of the word Apple. She tell me our diet was disgusting. That Apple Jacks were healthy. I will tell you that this is as honest as I can be. Our diet was disgusting. Yeah. Fresh fruit and vegetables would rot in our refrigerator. (laughs) We'd be like, oh. Mom, you expect me to eat an apple? Like we've got spit in her face. <laughs> yeah, like milk. Look, I keep you around here. Yeah, I want iced tea from the Swiss Farm. <laughs> There's a Swiss Farm store, yeah. and I was like, unless it's Swiss Farms, I don't want it. Uh, a specific kind. Yeah, fucking bratty kids. Bratty, awful, entitled, spoiled kids, and we ate a lot of junk food. And my mom would knew like not unlike the animals we were yeah. that if all the food was in one spot we would eat through it like like uh, like raccoons so she was hiding something yeah and then the other thing was both my parents would do this and I talk about it on stage now cuz it's a it's a personality trait that I've somehow you go why do I do this oh this is why I do it uh-huh like my dad would buy me baseball cards packs of cards yeah tops tops cards Fleer, Dunruss. and then like sometimes he would hide them mm-hmm. from me and he would just keep them, and he, he wouldn't let me know he bought them. So, like, I'd have a terrible day, and he'd be like, oh, really, buddy? And he'd go up to his bedroom, open a drawer underneath socks or whatever, and come down with a pack of baseball cards. I'd be like, oh, my God, yeah. life is perfect. My mom would do that sometimes. Like, uh, I'm going to be honest, like, we, we're a middle class, middle class. So we essentially lived paycheck to paycheck. And there were times where like before the paycheck came in and you open the fridge, you're like, there's, there's no treats. There's nothing mm-hmm. fun to eat. Then my mom would be like, oh, really? What if we made brownies tonight? Yeah, we're going to have brownies. Where are you going to pull those from? And then she would hide stuff and be like, we'd be like, oh, we're having brownies oh, wow. tonight. And it, the fact that it, that surprise, the, made it more enjoyable. Oh yeah. Instead of just thinking you have it there all the time. Correct. Oh yeah, absolutely. So she would hide, she would hide food from us. That, Even from the, when I remember going away to college and I'd yeah. come home she'd be like, all right, now check the, and she would tell me where stuff was hidden. I'd be like, there are Oreos back here. <laughs> yes. You can't hide shit from kids. Oh, little kids know everything. everything. If you have a lock, they know how to pick it more than you do. They'll know. Oh yeah. He's like, no, I hid the key somewhere else. Like, don't you think they look for a key? Dude, I remember I would have a passcode when my nephew was four. He could break into my phone and download apps. Wow. Yeah, my I don't know how nephew, I did it. My, my nephew got, he was like uh, eight, ten. And uh, he had my phone. And he was like, oh, let me see your pictures. And I was like, no, 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 <laughs> no. There's some. Oh, yeah. That's the worst. That's not for your age. It's not for your age. Backwash, by the way, is disgusting. Ugh. I, I didn't talk about any road trips on the CD, uh-huh. but do you remember those Lance crackers or those art? They were orange peanut butter and cheese crackers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're great. Okay. I mean, disgusting. Oh, the backwash on those. Oh my uh, god, dude! Uh, he, my dad so back when there was Coca Cola in a sixteen ounce glass bottle, uh-huh. we'd get one to split, and I'd be like, "Oh, the little brother be like, mm, no, I don't want any soda. I just want the crackers." And then he'd be like. Ah. I can't breathe. I need some soda. And then I'd be like, this is contaminated. And it's caked his teeth. Yeah, he'd be like, he'd backwash everything into it. And he'd be like, what's the problem? <laughs> look like, at it. Coke is not orange. I'm like, I can't even look at you right what, now. Schweitzer? What? Oh, what are we, prima donna? What's the matter? I offered you a cracker. I'm like, it has nothing to do with offering me or not offering me a cracker. And then I would just sit in rage in the back seat. <laughs> I should have had more. 
But he took it all <laughs> and ruined it. He polluted it with his Lance Crackers backwash. And by the way, I know it's like ridiculous child talking, but because um, you're the child in yeah. the story, but um, Fruity Pepper Sugar Milk is clearly better than Apple Jack's Sugar Milk. The yeah, well, I think I say that on the seat. No, I was the next you're, right, you're right. Yeah, it was great. The Fruity Pebble Con is more is more fruity. Yeah, it was you get more flavor. And, and you know what? Back then, Sh- Apple Jack's sugar milk was like vanilla ice cream. Here's the it's thing. good. Yeah, it's good. It gets the job done. Yeah, but the Fruity Pebbles and would change ev- color. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, I didn't like what was that Fruity Pebbles, but all chocolate, chocolate pebbles, cocoa pebbles, cocoa pebbles, and I was like, it's kind of a waste because I could just do chocolate milk exactly and it would taste better do you ever do chocolate milk in your cereal oh no i've right never been top. that decadent <laughs> like well now sister. i know what i'm gonna do the next <laughs> next time i'm having a bad day yeah and cereal was better then because it was made with real sugar and not corn syrup oh yeah because when they release the mountain dew throwback bottle every summer pepsi does their sodas with real sugar yeah it's, it's a better product yeah i love it well don carlos on sunday oh the best like, oh, yeah don carlos you get one, one of those mexican cokes and a California burrito, yeah. Like I seriously, that's what's in the Ari burrito. Do you remember? Is like no. ham, pork, and bacon. Yeah, I think there's a lot of pork products in it. And what's in the Trevino? It's chorizo. It's like a California burrito, but instead of, I think he mixes chorizo in with the carne asada. Okay, it's really good. Yeah, I almost got that, but I was like, let me try La Jolla burrito for once. It's good, right? Yeah, but I don't think I've ever had an Ari burrito. That's a so. You know what? We have to do La Jolla together once. I'm back just, for the winter. Yeah, let's do I'm it. I'm building new material too. Be great. And then mushrooms. <laughs> You're never going to do them. No, because I'm afraid what if it makes me a dick. Like um, it out. Oh, it just doesn't do that to anyone. Um, best day ever. Also could have been the title. Oh, yeah. I never thought about that. You repeated a few times, too. That's the same thing. Here, let me tell you another finesse bit at the end where it's like, and I'm not shitting on you. I have the same kind of trouble with closings. Yep. Uh, but sometimes it's like, oh, I got to finesse it into a close. As opposed, to, I heard Mark Marin did a story in my very first storyteller show about going to a Grateful Dead concert, uh, uh-huh. t- taking some acid or getting laced. I forget. Yeah, and then he was like leaving, and uh, and some guy he like saw some old like clearly a veteran of like Grateful somebody Dead had concerts, been through it. Yeah. And he saw Marin all tweaking out, and he's like, "Um, sir, do you know where the exit is?" And the guy just turns to him and goes, "Oh, just hold on, man, just hold on." <laughs> it was like hysterical. Yeah, and it was enough people like, "Yeah, we're done. We get it." Yes, and that's, those are hard to find. Yeah, and you know what's interesting? What's really cool about that crowd that night when you yeah. get a good crowd? How quiet they get. Yeah, and like they want to laugh. It, there's certain things where they can't. They they laugh throughout the joke, but then there's other times where they're like, "Come on, man, I got to let this out," but I don't want to miss anything. Yeah. Dude, the sound of audio sound of a of a crowd on a CD is to me more rewarding than 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 video. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I don't know if it's just because it's my childhood listening to the Dice and and, uh, and oh, Eddie God. Murphy, but like, it's how great just were so those pure. They were great. They were so passed great. around on tape. Let's listen to Zitting. Dude across his forehead. We're three inches away from the TV set like this. He's like, "What time is it? Time for Mother F and Smurfs." High five. Are you kidding me? Seven in the morning till noon. And afterwards, it was either pro wrestling or soul train. Either way, you it's a win. It was the best day ever. Yeah, I got so excited telling that. Yeah, that the way that bit's supposed to close. Yeah, and like I said, so that bit I hadn't done much in the past year. But that bit, it's supposed to go. 
he's three inches away. He's got tattoos across his forehead. We're three inches away from the TV set. And he goes, what time is it? I go, it's time for Mother F and Smurfs. You go, are you? And then, then it's something like from seven in the morning till noon. Oh, it's nonstop cartoons from seven in the morning till noon. Then afterwards, it was either pro wrestling or soul train. Either way, best day ever. And that's how it's supposed to go. But I got so caught up in telling it. Mm-hmm. That's where that was okay. a fumble. No, it's okay. But it's like a great bit. But there is that thing. Yeah, and you have Hanno, to let them know when the last show wants my storyteller show in Montreal. And they have all these seminars during a day about how to like market yourself online. Yeah. And how to, like, the, you know, all these different types of things. Yeah. Um, um, directing ones, you know, uh, all, all sorts of different thi- uh, yeah, things. Yeah, all the stuff I need. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't so know Hannibal any of that. did the story and he was like coming to an end and he was like, he said something happened. You know, I, then I, I went through this, this maze, or whatever the bit, I don't forget. And then he goes, hey, those seminars during the day, are any of those on how to end stories? Because I'm done. <laughs> and it doesn't seem done. That's hysterical. Yeah, that was a good way to do it, but it was like, yeah, they're just weird when it's just like, fuck. This is it. It's so like, those endings are so like, you gotta think so hard yeah, and plan. And, in the, and the it's beginning. the energy. It's like, and now laugh. Yeah. It's essentially what you're saying. I looked at her and I told her. Sometimes, you know. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Uh, okay, then we got track 12, Act of Sleep. And here's the thing. When you grow up with brothers, professional wrestling, that wasn't even a TV show. That was an instruction guide on how to whip each other's ass. That's all it was. Because I remember it vividly. 30 years ago, they'd scroll a disclaimer up on the TV. Like, remember the beginning of Star Wars when it would go up? And I remember it word for word. It would say, the following stunts are performed. By highly trained professional athletes, do not attempt these actions in the home whatsoever. I'm right there. I'm watching TV. I'm not bothering anybody. My little brother has already stripped down to his tidy whities <laughs> And he's on the back of the couch lining me up for a macho man elbow. Ooh, yeah. Ba boom. And I'm like, you just messed up, brother, because Hulkamania is about to run wild. And we kick each other's ass. It was the best. Oh, dude, one of the best nights ever in my whole life was, okay, I remember this. Because, dude, this is how awesome pro wrestling is with brothers. Well, okay. My little brother, when he was like, when he was really young, there was a guy, his name was Jimmy Superfly Snooker. He's, dude, he's, okay, I'm not making this up. I'm not, okay, he's real. You can Google him. I'm not lying to make friends right now. I'm not even drunk. This really happens. This guy's Superfly Snooker. After he beat somebody up, he'd climb to the top of the wrestling ring because he was a cliff diver in Fiji, okay? So he would act like the wrestling ring was a cliff and he'd spread himself out and go, I'm Superfly Snooker. And he would jump and land on the guy, okay? Now me and my little brother, we didn't have a wrestling ring. But we had bunk beds, okay? For like three weeks, we had bunk beds. <laughs> my little brother would climb to the top and he'd go, I'm super flash snooker. And he, I'd let him do it because I'm a good big brother. And he, would, he knew how to get the angle without hitting his head. And he'd go, I'm super fly. And he would jump and crush my little chest. But my poor mom was like, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, the boys are going to die. Separate the goddamn beds. So now the beds are separated, okay? <laughs> Now, Marky's bed's here. 
There's a desk in the middle of the room. Marky pretty much was the only person that used it. I put like army men on it and stuff. And my bed was here. So here's the door and here's the light. Now I remember this one night, my dad got he had a lot of patience, but I could always he'd come in more than once. He was like, God damn it, you kids are making noise. Because here's the thing, if you can't jump off the bunk bed, we're jumping from bed to bed. And the right and the middle of the floor is lava. My little brother's throwing pillows like lava! And we're not, we're jumping, hitting the pillows, right? So it is awesome. We don't have to be, it's a Friday night. There's no school tomorrow, Saturday. My dad's like, son of a bitch. Don't make me come back in there. And we're like, ha ha ha, here comes dad. And then we'd be like, just waiting for him. And he'd be like, guys, it's past your bedtime. Look, I'm getting tired of this, all right? It's already 940. You're supposed to be bed at nine, okay? Don't make me come back in. I'm serious. And my little brother was like, shut up he's like he's killing me okay Mark I'm serious man you want to alright you know what try me see what happens I'm gonna turn out the light that's it man my dad would always call us man when he got mad alright man turn out the light and I want to hear quiet your mother's not gonna stop me and I was like oh snap I know we're getting away with one right so he turns out the light it's quiet Maybe two minutes goes by. And I just hear Mark, Steve, are you still awake? And I'm like, I'm not saying anything. Talk to me, Goose. <laughs> he didn't say that. He didn't say that. But he was like, he was like Steve, are you still awake? And I go, yeah. Awesome. Turn on the light. No way, dude. Turn on the light. No. Why? Because dad is pissed. He was like, he's probably asleep already. Little kids have zero concept of time. Four minutes, you're like, yeah, it's been forever. So I go, no. He's like, all right, dude. You have to turn on the light. I go, no. He goes, but I have the best idea ever. What is it? I can't tell you. I have to show you. Is it a good idea? No. It's the best idea ever. Turn on the light. And I remember my eyes adjusting. You know when you had talked in the dark for a while and your eyes, like, you see these little stars? And I just see my little brother taking off his PJs, and from across the room I see that little ticker pounding in his chest. And he's like, all right, dude, here we go. And he's on the back of his bed. Tidy whitey's heart pounding, and he's like, Steve, do you know how normally I dive from my bed straight into your bed and I get pretty high? I'm like, yeah. He goes, what if instead of going straight into your bed, I jump from my bed onto that desk, then into your bed? I'm like, why? He's like, dude, that's half the distance. I'll spring so much higher because I'll go halfway, same force. Then I go off that hard surface and I'll spring into your bed higher. I'm like, that's a great idea. So he gets on the back of his bed and he just goes, I'm Jimmy Superfly Snooker! My dad's like, knock it off! And Marky freezes. 
But then something in his eyes just said, fuck it. And he goes, I'm super fast. Snookoff. He jumps, hits the desk. Immediately, I know we have a problem because when he hits the desk, he makes the uh-oh face like, uh-oh. And I just see tootsies flying over my head. And he's like, catch me! He hit, dude, the entire bed comes off the ground. It looked like a sandwich in the cartoon with the bread, the lettuce, the tomato, like, pop, 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 boom. We're rolling off the bed laughing. And we're like, ha, 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 let's do it again. Until I hear this, son of a bitch, I warned you, kids. And then I hear my, this one we knew was serious because my mom goes, Ross, don't hurt them. They're just babies. But dad's like, it's the only way to listen. God damn it. Boom, that door swings open. It sounded like a T-Rex from Jurassic Park is running down the hallway. The water on the desk is shaking. I'm scared. My little brother, full-blown panic attack. He was like a guy in a movie that accidentally kills a hooker in Vegas. He's like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I'm like, get in your bed. Act asleep. And I turn off the light, and I'm not moving. And I pull the sheets over my head so you can't see me. If you can't see me, I'm invisible. I'm just talking to myself. Use your ninja breathing techniques. Lower your heart rate. Be like water. My dad is in the doorway. I feel him. And he's like, son of a bitch. And I'm just trying to calm myself down. I'm being still. And I think we're going to get away with it. The only problem was... Marky was so young. He had never seen a real human being sleep before. He fell asleep before me every night, dude. He'd, so his only point of reference was cartoons and the Three Stooges. So he's just stiff in his bed like this, straight. I'm like, oh my God, he's an idiot, right? But I can't let the laugh out or else we're doomed. So I'm trying to hold the laugh in. So I'm like smashing my little testicles together and biting my lip. And he starts doing it faster. Then my dad starts to laugh. You kids are crazy. This house is nuts, right? And I'm like, I can't, I can't not laugh if somebody else is laughing. So I throw the blanket off and I'm like, we're awake the whole time. It was the best night ever. It was so fun. Uh, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Where's your older brother in all of this? Uh, he had room? his own room. Okay. Motherfucker. And, and yeah, because he was the oldest. And I heard my mom say, my mom did not know I was in the car, but she referred to my older brother as her favorite this weekend. I heard her say it. And we all started dying laughing. Because you, you, you were in the car. Yes, it was like, ha, ha, we funny you and painful. Ow. Yeah, um, but this act of sleep bit, like it's weird. It's like when you have a fifteen minute set at the store and you can play around, and you're in the moment, and it's much more lower stakes. Yeah, like I'm going. How do I present these bits in a way that'll get me from A to B to C to D to the end of the CD? But the best version of this story I ever told was the more realistic version when we weren't six and seven, when we were a little bit older and my older brother would come into our room with my dad to say, you're going to give dad a heart attack. You stay out of it, Chris. And then it would just make everything worse. So I think on the next CD, I'm going to tell a story I told on the crab feast about the three of us sharing a a hot summer night in a pullout couch bed because it had air conditioning in that room. And then my older brother 
character plays prominently in that. Oh. But my older brother was an instigator. He loved to pour gasoline on the fire. Yeah. Like if he knew we were going to, why don't you let me discipline them? And then the other thing. What, your brother would say that? No, my dad yeah. would have to tell my older brother, essentially mind his own business. Right. He'd be like, didn't dad tell you guys? Don't you understand how hard he works? He has to be up tomorrow hey, morning. That ain't your job. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then dad, I'd hate, uh, Mark and Steve are still awake. Like he would break balls. Yeah. It was hysterical. Dad, and then my dad's go-to threat. And I'm just not skilled enough of, of, of a entertainer or a storyteller like to, to paint. My younger brother listened to the CD, liked it, gave me the green light. But what he didn't like was how I come out of the stories. Like he was like, you should just tell them all the way through without, I go, you mean without being a stand-up comic? Right. I go, this is stand-up comedy. You said like the story's done now. Yeah. But like he would want me not to go, my little brother said this. He'd be like, no, just go back and forth between the characters. I go, but dude, that's a play. Oh, right. You need one other person for that. Yeah. Or you need to have character changes. Or, like, or, char- you know, like, or like Altman, hike a skirt, hike a sh- Yeah, all that stuff. And- but there are certain points where I do come out of that story moment to commentate on it in a way that's not, oh, right. not that's as you pleasing. Talking. Yeah, and the thing is, I have to do that. It's and my just dad's- stories. It's stand-up. So it's exactly. like, that's more like Birbiglia. But it's like what you're doing is really like... Yeah, and I would love to do Story Barbiglia leads way stuff. to what I know about life. It's not just right. a story. Right. I would love to do it. I just haven't had the opportunity in the environment. Yeah. You know, the funny thing is about this bit too is um, you do lie to make friends when you're drunk. Yeah. yeah. That's like one of your moves. Yeah. That's why <laughs> like I quit you drinking. lie to make friends. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that's a very <laughs> honest way to like, hey man, this is, that's what stand up, stand up became that opportunity for me. Yeah. To like I said, to to experience love, like to share my love of life and strangers and people in general, and then to also receive it. And like when I used to drink, that's all I was really. I didn't. I didn't want to get drunk. I just wanted to make friends. I just right, wanted right, people right. to like me. Yeah. And I would lie. I'd be like, "Oh yeah, you don't think I was a state football champ?" It's like, <laughs> Come on, bro. Nobody believes that. Nobody believes that you were a Navy SEAL. Come it didn't on. matter. Either yeah. way, you made friends. Yeah. Fahim, by the way, was talking about how you know how great a dancer he is. Yeah, he's an amazing dancer. Yeah, it's hysterical. Um, and then one time, we're all out with these this, the club these club guys, club owners were like uh, in the in the in the show. Oh, on comedy Thursday. clubs. No, oh, no, club club. Clubs. Okay, yeah. that's what I thought you meant. And they had like five of them, and then like six of their hot girls behind them that work in the clubs. You know. Yes. And then they're like, "You guys should come out with us." And we're like, "You know what? Fuck it." We only had one show. And this was in San Diego? Yeah, in San Diego. And we're going to take you club to club. And and then, like, okay, and there's a DJ playing. Fahim knew who he was. He was like, yeah, I'm a fan of that guy, actually. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Anyway, so um, he's always like, I can't dance at a club because I can't be the guy just suddenly dancing. It's You're a creep. But I was like, but on the way there, he's like, we know these girls that we're going with. So now you can dance because you already have an in. Yes. And so then he started like joke dancing a little bit, like you ruined it, should have gone straight for it. He goes, dude, you can't, like when you're in PB, you can't just start dancing. And I was like, yeah. I was like, no, wait a minute. Me and Simone did the worm through PB Bar and Grill. <laughs> like, the night I told everybody I was the gooch. Yeah, we, yeah that's right. That's right. I Perfect people. drunk lie. People like, had, I remember that episode. You had strangers coming over and buying us drinks. <laughs> gooch, I remember you well. Do you? Because he was never in an episode. They just referenced him. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm like, I fully dance with Simona. We're terrible dancers. Terrible. So don't tell me you can't dance as a good dancer. Exactly. Of course. We made friends out of it. Yep. 
people want the permission to have fun. He's like, well, you were drunk. I'm like, of course we were drunk. That's yeah, not the that, issue. That's not the issue. But it's like that opener I use sometimes with – I go, you guys are staring at me like I'm the first guy on the dance floor at a wedding. Uh-huh. Because, but you need that guy. You need that guy that's just going to get out there and make an ass out of him and have fun. Yeah, Because sure. everybody wants the right to have fun. And then everybody looks at those people and go, well, they're doing this. Almost like I'm at the point now it's like <laughs> – you can laugh at me if you want. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm please, just gonna keep it zero to me. I'm gonna have a good time. It's, That's it. That's how I view life. Got to make that choice. Like that Simpsons where they like, where the guy when he took a uh, when he was on the uh, Lollapalooza. Uh, and oh then, uh, yeah, Lollapalooza, whatever they call it. When he was getting the cannonball yeah. shot at him, and those uh, emo kids were like, uh, or Gen Xers were like, yeah, this is cool. And the other <laughs> guy goes, wait, are you being sarcastic or serious? And the guy's like. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> but it's like, who gives a shit what those people say? They're shit on everything. Yeah, like we get those crowds every once in a while at the uh-huh. comedy store, which is all cool kids. All right, and I'm guys. Like, all right. Don't enjoy it if you don't want to. Go back to your you least Mercedes. Yeah. yeah, goodbye. Least Mercedes. Huh? Um, by the way, your dad, is, at some point now, I realize, he's start from this bit. Reminds me of the uncle from Viva La Bam. Oh <laughs> my God, Don guys, Vito! Don Vito, the way you got tortured. Oh my God, the that's rise so funny. You get out of them. Just, uh, oh my God, because there's a certain amount of truth to that for yeah. sure. And fil- those Philly suburbs. Yeah, same vibe. You know, yeah, probably that's probably what it has to do. I didn't oh, make the connection. So, with Philly. Dude, wait till my brothers hear this podcast. They're gonna <laughs> die laughing. The tough thing about painting my dad as a character, I was started to say this. I'm not good enough yet to show all the different hues and layers. Hues, but yeah. uh, his go-to throat used to be, "I'll crack your heads like coconuts." Uh-huh. But audiences would freeze up. They're like, "Oh, he's abusive." Oh right. And I'm like, "How?" He would never do that. No. And I'm like, that was, we knew, like, he didn't hit us. It was. You drop a cinder block on his head. Crack his head up with a rock. That'll teach him a lesson. But, like, I don't know. I I hope to bring all these characters in my life to future pieces of stand-up when I'm better at it. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? Yeah. So I can. Pretty good. But then again, it's just stand-up. It's like, if people get upset, let them get upset. Hey, side side issue. How How many episodes of the New York Times do you think there have been? Uh, I have no idea. 56,636 as of Jeter's last hit That's at Yankee amazing. Stadium. Um, here's a question, side question out of this bit, because uh-huh. uh, this also ended best night ever. Mm-hmm. Oh, first of all, what's the uh-oh face? Show it to me. Oh, that face? Where, that face? Yeah, when he hits the, he hits the dresser and real, or the desk, realize like, oh, I jumped uh, uh, way too far. Yeah, like, well, you're losing your balance. Yeah. <laughs> you, nothing you can do is going to get you right. Where you are footing that done. Sudden super fear. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, fuck, fuck. It's out of my control. I yes. can't help this at all. Yeah, done. You're sl- I'm falling. That's it. That's like, funny. do you ever do that in not, like middle school? Kids would lean back in their chair and they would balance it. And as they were like, oh, that's done. Even before they fell, if they, they didn't knew fall, it. it's like, oh. The inevitable. Yeah. I pushed a girl into a pool once like that, fully clothed <laughs> oh, the standard. She was annoying everybody. She kept coming over to Rogan and stuff and asking for autographs. It was fine, but she kept bothering. It was annoying. She was swimming in the pool and her, like, you know, like, bra and panties she needed attention oh yeah absolutely she kept coming over then she said something like super snarky and it was like all right and then it was like she chased us out she was just too annoyed she chased us out and then as we were leaving like ah why you can't and then as i passed her i just put a finger in her chest and pushed oh she had all her clothes back on now like an 80s movie Uh uh-huh and she had this signature from rogan in her hand and she just did that it was the perfect amount of pressure (laughs) i mean it didn't shove her into the pool it 
And she like did the full wobble, like, oh no. And then tried to like hold on to me. And I had to keep like holding my hands back so she couldn't grab them. And she was slowly losing. And I was like, bye bye. And then I was falling in. And then oh, I just walked God, away. That's so funny. They couldn't kick me out anyway. I was leaving. Oh, it was perfect. Good day, sir. Good day. Oh, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, yeah, and the sad thing about that is she probably was a sweet, wonderful person that just didn't know how to interact with that's other all, people. That's a lot of it. Those comics who need too much attention. Yeah. It's like, hey, guy, guy. We all get it, man. Here's your hug. Yeah. <laughs> it's not your fault. Yeah. Is there a limit to how many best nights ever there can be? <laughs> or can know. every night be best night ever if they're all great? Yeah. It's that moment. Like, people break my balls because I use the expression the best. Best movie ever. I'm like, it's the best. And they're like, wait. Right. Everything can't be the best. I'm like, right now, in this second, nothing else exists. Right. So it is the best. With current, like... Either retelling of it or yeah. experience of it, like being weighted higher, this is now the best. It is, because time is an illusion. That's Einstein. That's not me. It's all right now. And right now, there's only this moment. And it re- remembering that moment in this moment, it's yeah. the best. <laughs> okay, then we get to Hulkamania. And, okay, everybody, everybody, I mean, you're my age. Mm-hmm. Anybody within three years of us. Hulkamania was massive. Massive. Hulkamania wasn't even about Hulk Hogan. It was an ideal. Yes. And you've kind of set it up in this way, too. Do you agree or disagree? It was an ideal that was almost bigger than Hulk Hogan. Oh, 100% so. Do I do that? I don't. I haven't. Okay. This bit is so old. The actual watching the wrestling bit. Uh And it started with my dad waking us up from watching Prism Wrestling. And he was like, Andre the Giant, the eighth wonder of the world. He wasn't even on the card tonight. (sighs) That really, that was a hundred percent true story. Your dad would get that excited. Yeah, and he woke us up to watch because Andre the Giant was not supposed to be at the Philadelphia Spectrum, and he just showed up to administer some justice, <laughs> and it some was amazing. Wow. It was the, one of the best nights of my life. So I was trying to capture. I took liberty with the details of real life events, of cobbled, a, yeah, cobbled a bunch of stories together to try to get that feeling across. Yeah. And the Hulkamania bit, like you talking about it being an ideal, I sometimes just say this on stage now to talk about where how I was raised. I go back in the like back when I was growing up, Hulk Hogan stood for everything good. Did I say that on the disc on the CD? I where I go, so. he'd come out on Saturday mornings and tell kids to, "What you gonna do, brother? I'm gonna do push-ups." Like he'd get me. Oh, yeah, you know yeah. how powerful you have to. We'll be do what you say, man. Yes. Yeah, that's right. And it was say your prayers, take your vitamins, and train. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a. Awesome. These pythons. You talk about these yeah, pythons. 24 inch, there's nothing funnier oh, than you guys pro were... wrestling promos. Oh. The funniest well, with stuff Lean, Lean Gene. Mean Gene? Yeah, Mean Gene. That was great. The best. The only non-wrestler that's ever been part of that thing. Yeah, and it was awesome. They need to go back to that. God, he was good. <laughs> I saw uh, Piper. This is after Edgar showed me over at Benji's place. It showed me uh, one of those Piper's pits. Oh, it was amazing. And then he had to ref a fight between his student and um and some other guys the student's enemy yeah and so piper didn't give or might have been vice versa i don't remember this uh-huh. anymore um and uh they did he did a slow count he looked away he, he the got ba- the, it would drive you crazy yeah. as a kid and i was like all right roddy listen you're cool man i'd like to come around here it's cool and all but i think you refing someone <laughs> that you're definitely part of your camp. I think it's a conflict of interest, and I think it affected the overall outcome of the fight. He Did you say that to, that's hysterical? Yeah. He just started like, dude, I'll, I'll take it up with the. Do you remember that time he attacked you was uh, on Tripoli show? One of my greatest childhood. I literally memories. got scared. 
Really? I was like, he's doing him real. Like, it looked like. <laughs> he it taught me like everything. Taught me how to wiggle right, how to slap him right. Oh, dude, it was awesome. He played, my, he played the piano with my head. Oh, it was so. I'm going to try to get him to put me in Piper's pit. Yeah. To do a promo for this. I want him to. This is the. I'm yeah. going to ask him if he's in town. I want to do Piper's pit with him go. So you name a track. You're, you're, you're one of my best friends ever. You name a track. And you name a track Hulkamania. You're going to do that. You. Yeah. And then have him attack. And then have that do like a 15, 20 second YouTube. And then boom, the button at the end will be, will be the yeah. link, link to buy the CD. Sure. Absolutely. That's I think great. that would be awesome. That's great. Oh my God. So much fun. And this is what makes my dad awesome. Okay. This is why I love my dad. Because that night he got mad. Okay. But it just ended in laughs. And he got mad because we weren't going to sleep. Okay, now keep that in mind when I tell you this story. Because a couple months later, they're going to show pro wrestling live on cable TV from the Philadelphia Spectrum. Oh, snap. Dude, this is real wrestling. Because on Saturday mornings, it was always like the best guy versus the stinkiest guy. Now, this was going to be a real match between Hulk Hogan, my hero. Guys, back in the 80s, people used to care about this country, and he stood for everything good. Say your prayers. Take your vitamins. Train. Dude, do you know how much of a badass you have to be to get a chubby 10-year-old to do push-ups in front of the TV set? What you going to do, brother? I'm like, I'm going to get my pythons bigger. That's what I'm going to do, Ulster. So Hulk Hogan's going to wrestle this guy, the Russian bear, Nikolai Volkov, okay? Oh, my God. This is the 80s. It was a different time. Russia was the bad guy. It got so bad in the 80s, we had to send Rocky over there to go kick their ass. So now, so now it's like having Rocky Four fought in your living room, okay? But we have to stay awake. Keep that in mind. So now it's 10 o'clock. My dad's like, it's 10 o'clock. It's almost midnight. Right? My little brother's like, awesome. So my older brother sneaks off and under a blanket he had stolen a two liter bottle of Mountain Dew, okay? And he's like, Steve, come here. And he has shot glasses. He's like, shh, come here. And we're doing shots of Mountain Dew and he's like, I can feel it burning. I can feel it burning, right? And my mom was like, you boys can't drink that now. And she takes it. He's like, oh, I hate that lady sometimes. So now... We're just trying to stay awake on little kid powers, okay? And my dad's giving us updates. He's like, it's 11 o'clock. And my little brother's like, it's almost midnight. And then they cut to like a local commercial, and we both fell asleep. We were so close to midnight. No, dude, here's the best thing. When I was a little kid, no matter where I fell asleep, no matter where, backseat of a car in a tent in the backyard, no matter where I fell asleep, I always woke up in my own bed. How great would that superpower be tonight? Seriously. How amazing would that superpower be tonight? For real. Think about it. I could do shots of tequila. I'd be like, forget it. I'm going to wake up in my own bed. Panama, right? So I'm asleep, and I just hear screaming, wake up, get downstairs, you're missing it. So I'm starting to wake up. I think the house is on fire. The Russians are attacking. I don't know. My dad runs upstairs, kicks open our door, like Mr. T in the beginning of the A-team, and he's like, get downstairs. I'm like, let me find my baseball cards. They can't burn. And he's like, there's no time. He throws Marky on his shoulder. My little brother's like, is that you, baby Jesus? He thought it was, he didn't know what was happening, right? So we run downstairs, and I'm panicked. I'm like, dad, what's going on? He goes, what do you mean, buddy? Just in time for the main event, Hulk Hogan versus Nikolai Volkov. I'm like, oh my God, it's still last night. <laughs> Thank you. Screw you guys. When you're a little kid, if they wake you up, dude, that's the best feeling in life. Okay, if there's any parents in here, hear me out. This is my plan. Okay, it's the best thing ever. If there's any parents in here on your way home tonight, do this. Stop off at a supermarket, 
get ice cream, get whipped cream, get hot fudge, get sprinkly things, cherries, everything to make an awesome Sunday. That's my point. Like birthday party, awesome Sundays. Make the Sundays, put them in the kitchen, and then turn out the light, okay? Then go wake your kids up. <laughs> Hear me Because they'll be like, what's happening? <laughs> I don't know. But there's something in the kitchen for you. What is it? Let's go find out. Walk them downstairs, turn on the light, and be like, we got ice cream, bitches! They'll remember it forever. You don't need a million dollars to create memories. 20 bucks in sprinkles. Let me explain something to you. We're all gonna, God willing, we're all going to be 80 one day. Do you want a stranger wiping your ass, or do you want your own kids? Take care of them now. Take care of them now. My dad's never going to a home. Not on my watch. We're going to order pizza and watch pro wrestling. And my point is, so one night this lady heckles me. She was like, you only say that because you don't have kids. I'm like, what do you mean? She was like, we'll never be able to get them to sleep. I go, tonight, you'll never be able to get them to sleep. But for the rest of their goddamn lives, you go, go to bed. And they'll be like, why? Because it might be an ice cream night, bitch. Good night. We love you. So my dad just wakes us up, okay? My mom's asleep. She's on the couch, passed out, which means the sheriff is no longer on the watch. My little brother's chugging Mountain Dew straight out of the bottle, and he's like so excited. Nikolai Volkov's waving a Soviet flag, and he spits out Mountain Dew. He's like, do you believe the balls on this commie son of a bitch? And my... My dad's like, no, buddy, boo. They're both pulling the TV like this guy can hear them, okay? So now he starts to sing the Soviet national anthem, and my little brother loses it. His eyes roll to the back of his head, and that bottle of soda drops between his little fingers. It looked like the bottle of whiskey in the Unforgiven when Eastwood's riding in the town. Like, psh, you're like, oh, bodies are about to drop. So he's singing the Soviet national anthem. Marky starts to say the Pledge of Allegiance to our flag to block his communist powers. He's like, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. Help me, Steve. And I'm like, and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God. Boom, Hulk Hogan's theme music kicks on. And you just see this. I am a real American. Fight for the rights of every man. And my little brother's like, he's talking about us, Steve. And Hogan's going, I'm going to break your back, Nikolai. And Nikolai Volkov's like, oh, what have I done? We're like, you're going to get a big USA boot up your butt. That's what you've done. And Hogan's pointing at him like, I'm going to break your back. And Hogan would do this thing to hear cheers. So we'd run over here. And then he would do this and we'd run over here. No, this doesn't make us gay. It was just the coolest thing I'd ever seen. Because when Hulk Hogan ripped his shirt off, me and my little brother both got boners. That's how cool it was. Hulk Hogan was like, yeah. Mark, he was like, oh, my God feel my wiener. I'm like, no, you touch your wiener and I'll touch mine. (laughs) That didn't really have that part to that. Oh, you guys have been such a great crowd. My whole point is it was a great night. The moon's after you both fall asleep. Or is it, hold on, let me see what the fuck I was talking about here. That's what it is, not the moons, the moans. Oh, yeah. After you set this up, mm-hmm. and I guess you've been setting it for the whole CD. Yeah. Because it's really trying to stay awake. You didn't get it the last time, and this time there's a reason you're trying to stay awake. Yes. Ideally. It's like, we're going to do it. We're yes. going to do it. And then when you're like, and we both fell asleep, 
there were multiple people who were moaning at that. Yeah. Not out of like, fuck you, Steve, but it's like, oh, we it had was so it. close. I took a, uh, every joke, every bit has a three act structure to it. Mm-hmm. And then the overall hour of material has a three act structure to it. And, um, I wanted to do a one man show and call it, it's almost midnight. Yeah. And just take the majority of this material but do it as a one-man show as opposed to stand-up comedy. And it's because people get that emotionally. It's such a simple goal to stay awake to midnight. And that's pretty much, as soon as we get the Chinese food bit out of the way, that's pretty much what this CD does. It goes, okay, here's a little kid and his brother that just want to see midnight. And that proves that the audience was invested. Mm -hmm. When when they're like, oh, man. But then, because I always try to, Leave the audience with like the positive. Like, let, let's look at the positive. We fell asleep, but here's the coolest part. When I was a little kid, no matter where I fell asleep, I always woke up in my own bed. Yeah, that's nice. How great would that superpower be now? You know that sort of stuff. Yeah, it would be great. It would be Especially amazing. For Mark Ellis, <laughs> sleep on the street all the time. I was like, Jesus, man, oh, fuck you. You'll find your way home. I can't. I can't wait for you anymore. <laughs> One more shot. Let me just lay down here. It's just behind the whiskey. But <laughs> Uh, by the way, this is what I was thinking. Okay, so you get to now get to this last bit. Remember this when you get sad. Yeah. Why'd you name the title the album this? I named the album's just called Remember This. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I changed it. Oh, you did? Yeah. Because I think Remember This is just better. I like Remember This when you get sad. I figured we'll name the last track that. But the name of the album's just Remember This. Because it, when you say Remember This, it has a lot more, it's much more open. It's much more like... Uh, but I think it said something better. Well, definitely about this track. I like titles that have something to do with just a funny line yeah. and also have something to do with the overall bit and then even more or has something with the overall hour but then even more has something to do with you as a performer. Yeah, and that's what this uh, is all about. Yeah, but remember this when you get sad. It's almost like remember the CD for when you get sad. That's exactly what it is. Remember this night. Remember yeah. this life. Remember all of this. Um, oh, so you're saying with just remember this, it's, it's, it'll do that. Yeah. I let my vote in. I like the whole thing. Okay. But you do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, my younger brother shit all over that title. Which title? Yeah, remember this for when you get sad. I mean, it'll be harder to Twitter. Yeah, so remember this is just easier. And I figured even if I were to call it, remember this for when you get sad, people would just go, remember this. Yeah, they'll do that anyway. Yeah, yeah. whatever. I don't know. I still don't have the physical fast CDs. Times. Fast times. Exactly. The physical CDs still aren't printed up. I might make that like... Like I, as as an incentive to somebody to buy it, mm-hmm. I might do like the director's cut of the tracks. Like the Chinese food bit will be eighteen minutes instead of four five minute bits. I might change the title up. I don't know. What are you gonna do for for um, a um, cover for the CD, CD yeah. the physical ones, or on iTunes too? On Isn't iTunes, that? dude. Dustin Paulie Shore's old assistant saw me do a charity show in Burbank. Yeah, and he does a lot of photography for um, for Warner Brothers or one of the big studios. He hooked me up. He took pictures. I took a, just a simple clear headshot. I wanted it to be like an homage to a Cosby album. Yeah, or New Heart, those old school sixty ones. The problem is this is on iTunes. Most people are going to be purchasing it on their phone or an ipad and they still see it yeah so it's just my headshot and it just says remember this picture of you yeah and it's as clean i want it to be clean simple picture of you. picture yeah. yeah it's just a picture of my face and it just says remember this and the color composition is really cool this kid bryce that listens to my podcast yeah 
who who isn't even a, a graphic artist by What's design. What's your podcast out? Good Times? Yeah, Good Times. With Steve Simone? Yeah. Um, so he did it for free. That's great. That's really cool. Super cool. This is what I want to talk about before. I had even the note listed in in, uh, in uh, Sugar Milk. Yeah. Yeah, here was the note as I was listening to it. How do audience members talk to you after a show like this? Like in what methods do they, how, how are they coming at you? And then I think kind of you answered it. Um, in a, in a, but let's, a, let's not talk, let's not talk about the way this, these uh, characters did. Yeah. Just, just in, in general, general, after a show like you did tonight, it's overwhelmingly positive. It's overwhelmingly humble. Um, is it a lot of memories and sharing with you those memories? Yeah. Dude, this one, I, I used to watch Gumby before I went to sleep. Absolutely. Everybody, everybody. And you sort of say some of that in this last uh, bit where you're like, well, I, have, I watched this cartoon. You're like, I don't, you're yeah, 12 years old. Because that's know the that. coolest thing. Like, that's why I'm not saying words are meaningless. The more things change, the more they say the same. Absolutely. And it's the emotions. We all go through these same emotions. Like, I initially wanted to do Let's Stay Awake to Midnight or the first CD it was just about the glory of being seven years old. But then I was like, I could do a CD when I was 16 years old. Just that whole experience and called Let's Drive Around. And the first one's Let's Stay Awake. There's all these different experiences we all share. There's just so much. We have so much in common with each other. And that's the coolest thing about the podcast. The podcast I do was just an outgrowth of those conversations. I would have with audience members afterwards. Yeah. Like, oh, this is what I did. Did you ever build this ramp or did you ever do this? And dude, people from all over the world listen to it. There's people in Denmark. There's people in Australia. There's yeah. people in it. They're like, no, we did the same stuff, dude. Yeah. Everybody does the same stuff. Your dad coming home, whether it's from his Fortune 500 company or a or construction it's, site. Yeah. It's the same thing. Dad's home. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone sort of gets to that. Yeah. And, and, if, I, and if you don't have a dad, then some other person Somebody home. else. Yeah. And it's like, we. <laughs> Regardless of our circumstances, there is a certain amount of real tangible joy I think we can all have access to. And mm-hmm. I, I easily forget it. I easily forget it. And uh, I, when I think about that, if I think about if the universe just put me here to kind of remind people that there's good stuff out there, if that's all that ever happens to me, yeah, and this is it, and maybe it's just the CD, whatever, I don't know. I go, that's really awesome. Yeah. Because this process of you sharing this with me, this past two hours we spent, yeah, I was miserable two hours ago. But yeah. now I'm like, okay, man, it's all going to be okay. Yeah. You know, it's- the reality is this, and I share this with a lot of people, but I don't know why I always use Aziz's name in this, but because he's successful. That's why. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you're Aziz or if you're some open micer or if you're me or if you're you. Yeah. We are all just trying to write a good dick joke. That's hysterical and true. We're all aiming for the same thing. Yeah. Let's just make this joke work. Yep. And now he'll cash that in for $7 million this year. Right. And that other guy will cash that in for a spot somewhere. Yes. But if we can get that joke to work, that's the that, whole that's thing. That's the whole thing. The rest is fluff. Dude, that, that's, that's what thing. I, the Hulk Hogan thing was, I, I remember once talking to Kevin Christie, Mike Black, and you. We were at the waitress table 10 years ago. Yeah. We were talking about the G.I. Joe cartoon. And I go, dude, that thing was so awesome. I remember being 10 years old, it gave me a boner. And everybody laughed. And that Hulk Hogan joke is essentially a dick joke at the end. Yeah. You get a boner for that's it. They're like, you touch it. No, you touch it. I'll yeah. touch and mine then I was and like, you touch yours. I had Before a great character that. telling that. I was like, all right, that, that didn't really happen. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the, to answer your question, it's awesome. When, when it works. Sometimes I will have a dick. Uh, audiences filled with dicks. No oh, yeah. pun intended. Absolutely. Like jerks. Yeah, you guys are not making this fun for me. Yeah. And they're like, ooh, ooh. 
Oh, you like want to go get ice cream? Yeah, they were all like this. I, I drive a Maserati and I bang cocores. And I'm like, okay. Okay, great. I wasn't when, challenging you. Th- three years from now, when you hit rock bottom, I'll be here with a hug and some ice cream. And, and I'll what? let you just hang out. He won't remember that. No. He'll still view you as somebody who's better than. Just like, well, you didn't see it that did. movie with Dice. But, uh, I don't know if I'm going to put this on the album, but it's something I, I think I want to share. Okay, And I know it's going to make me sound completely. I was just about to say, I think it's going to make me sound crazy. And I'm like. They just spend an hour with you. They know you're a little crazy. <laughs> but when I was a little boy, I remember this, man. Like, God bless my family. They're family, okay? You love, you hate, you laugh, you cry. That's what it is. Nobody's perfect, okay? And that's the truth, all right? Thank you. Thank you. And I remember I was about eight years old, and I'm sitting around the family dinner table, and I'm like, these people are all crazy. You know, I was a little kid, and I'm like, what is going on here? And then this voice talked to me, right? I'm this chubby eight-year-old. And the voice, it just said, remember this for when you get sad, right? And now I'm a little kid. I, believe, I still believe in God. I don't know who or what that voice was. I'm not telling you what to believe. I think it was God. You guys, if you don't believe in God, it wasn't God. If you believe in energy, it was energy. If you don't believe in anything, then fucking nothing told me that, okay? I am crazy. <laughs> all right. So I'm a little kid, and I'm taking it all in, and instead of getting mad, it just said, remember this when you get sad. And I was like, sad? I'm eight, bro. I'm never sad. Friday's pizza day, and we got a field trip on Tuesday. Oh, right? But then I became a grown-up, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm sad all the time. And then I moved to L.A., and I'm like, this was a mistake. So, um... The cool thing was, I've been doing comedy for a long time, and that's, and like for a long time, I would do fine on stage. I would do well. Like I would even get standing ovations. But it was the type of comedy that people um, they wouldn't re- really remember it. They'd be like, "Oh, that guy was good," and then they would just leave. And then yeah, they'd just be like, "All right, screw that guy." But then when I started to talk about my brothers and stuff, it was so cool how everybody related to it. I don't care who you were. People were coming up to me with their stories. I, was making fr- I wasn't performing. I was making friends. And it didn't matter. There were 18-year-old kids. I would do a college. And there was kids coming up to me like, they were like, do you remember this? And I'm like, no, bro. I grew up with the Smurfs. And they were like, but it was awesome. Because it wasn't the references. It was the feelings. No lie. There was an 80-year-old man that came up to me in Santa Monica once. And he had this look in his eyes like he was seven. He was like, that was wonderful. Did you ever see Steamboat Willie? And I'm like... I go, I go, no, I had Mickey Mouse. And he's like, it's the same guy! Right? It was amazing. It was magical. And this is a real story about, I want to say it was about three years ago. Maybe it was about three years ago. And uh, I was at the Hollywood Comedy Store, which is a slightly smaller room, but it's intimate like this, but it's smaller. And about four tables back, I'm not making this up, there were four legit gangbangers in the audience. Now look, in Hollywood, we get a lot of fake tough guys. Oh, everybody can kick my ass, don't get me wrong. But you would get those guys, you know, like they're showing off for girls and maybe they're drug dealers or whatever. These were the real deal. They put off that energy. Like, oh. Like if you ever saw Breaking Bad, the two brothers in Breaking Bad, imagine that vibe, shaved heads. One guy has tattoos on his face. They're the type of dudes that never leave their neighborhood because when they shoot you, they yell out like the intersection where they live. Like, you know what I mean? Like. But the one guy had gotten out of jail, so they're celebrating with a night full of laughs at the comedy store, right? 
So I'm taking it all in. We don't have a real bouncer there. It's just comedians, okay? <laughs> now, at the beginning of the night, they're being kind of respectful or whatever. If they liked you, great. If they didn't like you, eh, forget it. And they're getting drunker and drunker. And it's a night God, I go up late, okay? So it's bad enough to try to get people to laugh about Pizza Day and building forts when it's not killers in the audience, right? So I'm like, what am I going to do? What am I going to talk about? Now they're drunk. And I just remember the one guy's like, get off the stage, puto. I'm going on next, right? And the manager doesn't know who they really are. He just hears the heckling. And it's dark in there. There's no lights like this. So he goes over hard. And the guy's like, shut up, puto. This manager comes over and he's like, excuse me. Can I buy you fellas another round of drinks? He was like, holy shit, I'm not getting staffed. I'm not getting staffed for 15 bucks an hour, right? So now it's like me and the three comedians that have to still go on. They're like, are you even going to go on? I'm like, I need the $15, bro. So now I walk out on stage. My first joke is about pizza day. This one dude just gets up and he goes, mother effing pizza day! Right? So I'm like... Awesome, right? So now that was the night I was working out the joke about waking your kids up for ice cream. Bro, when I said, wait, we got ice cream bitches? The dude, all four of them stand up like it's Def Jam in 94. And I'm Chris Tucker. And they're going, motherfucking ice cream! But no, here's the problem. Here's the problem. They're laughing so hard, the rest of the room goes quiet. They're laughing so hard. I think this is like a heckle laugh. Like, haha, very funny, motherfucker. I'm like, there's no way I'm relating. So now I'm in my brain and I'm going, oh my God, these guys are going to kill you. The rest of the audience is like, can we have our check? We're getting out of here. We don't want to witness shit because they're being that loud. Like, ha ha ha, very funny. So now I'm on my brain and I'm trying to, what's the easiest way out of this room? And I'm like, holy sweet Jesus. I got to walk by their goddamn table. So I'm talking in my head. I'm leaving. The next comedian's like, good luck, bro. And I'm thinking in my head. I'm like, don't look at them. Don't, don't look at them, but don't look away. You don't want them to think you're scared. I was like, don't bow up, but don't shrink down. You don't start no shit, won't be no shit. Just walk by like a man, bro. So I'm walking by like a man, and then I hear, boom, boom, two dudes get up. I'm like, that is not fucking good, right? So now I'm trying to walk through the back of the room, and I feel people following me. Now, thank God there's a group of comedians. I sort of disappear through the crowd. And I'm looking for my car. I'm like, oh, sweet Jesus, where's my car? Just get out of here. Don't turn around. Just go. Just go. And then I say, hey, bro. And I'm like, oh, my God, there's nowhere else to walk. Hey, fool. And I turn around, and it's just one of the guys. And he goes, were you the dude that was just on stage? And I went, yeah. And he goes, mother effing pizza day! <laughs> <laughs> He comes over to me. He's loving it. He was like, my brother loved you too. We used to do that. Me, my primos, me and my brother. Now his brother is the scariest man I have ever met. He looked like something out of a comic book. He was six foot five and yoked. Dude, if he was a pro wrestler, he would have been from Parts Unknown, okay? So now, this guy's calling him over. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, Larry, get over here. Larry, he's cool. He's cool, Larry, get over here. This dude's name was not Larry, but these are real people, and they are not going on my CD, okay? Larry comes over. He is menacing. 
but he has the energy of a small child because he's afraid to talk to me, okay? And he's just going, bro, you were so funny, bro. You were so funny, dude. I loved it. And I was like, and his big brother goes, dude, tell him the bit you wrote him. And he goes, no, I think I'm stupid. He won't think it's funny. And in my brain, I'm going, what kind of joke? <laughs> Could this guy write me, you know? Like, dude, don't you hate it when you're on a drive-by and his blood gets everywhere and you gotta burn your shit? You can't have that DNA, you can't have that DNA around. You just bought that shit, right? So now he's a friend. Now I have to talk to him like he's my four-year-old nephew. So I'm like, hey, buddy, I like your shoes. <laughs> because I just picked them out myself. They're Nikes. And I'm like, they're awesome. So now he goes, tell him your joke. And now this giant gangster just goes like this, okay. I think you should do a bit. It's up to you. You don't have to do it. But I think you should do a bit on balloons. I go, what? He goes, you should do a bit on the balloons. I go, on balloons? He goes, yeah. Remember when you were little? You would hit it, and your brother would hit it, and he would hit it, and you would hit it. One turn, he would hit it, you would hit it. He would hit it, you would hit it. But if that shit hit the ground, it would explode. I was like, oh my God, you're awesome, dude. So now I'm hanging out having laughs with these two killers, and that voice talked to me again. That voice talked to me again, and I really do believe it was God, because God has a sense of humor, and he goes, don't you feel like a dick? (laughs) He goes, you're sitting here judging these guys, instead of just loving these guys, and I was like, oh my God, I am a dick. (laughs) Right, and I think that's the only thing I want to put out there, I'm not telling you what to believe, but I think the one thing the world needs more of is just love, acceptance. And here's the thing, bro. We all came together here tonight. You guys were a wonderful crowd because deep down we are those little kids that are just looking to have fun and love each other. So good night. God bless you. May all your dreams come true. Take care and God bless. Thank you. I like, I like that. I like your shoes when you, that guy comes up to you. Yeah. Like saying anything else. But here's what I noticed mm-hmm. that this is a great commentary uh, on your own fan base. This bit. Okay. This, um, remember this when you get sad. These Mexicans coming up to you. Cholos. Yeah. I'm assuming Mexican, Southern California. I did. Um, Where yeah. was that? The comedy store in LA? Yeah. And I've yeah. only done this bit a handful of times. But when I was closing out those shows at the comedy bar in yeah. Toronto. Uh huh. I did it in a, I wish I had it recorded. I might have it recorded somewhere. It was much better than this, where it was ambiguous. I just referred to them as killers and gang members and because it could be any. Let them fill in the blanks. Let Don't even fill, make it racial. Let the, it's not about race. It's about me saying, I'm in danger here mm-hmm. and I'm choosing fear over love. That's it. Yeah. But it really is like, this is who my people are. Cause that's what I always noticed about you. I said it earlier in this, in this podcast, in this commentary. That um, you know, you would have cholos and grandmothers yeah. right next to each other because La Jolla really does bring both those people in. Yeah, for you sure. Have people coming from outside, especially when it was the only club in town. Yes, people would come from PB and San Diego to come there, but also the La Jolla people, the yes. rich La Jolla white people, would also come there. Uh huh. And so they'd all come together and they'd have a good time. And military people. Yeah, it's a great um, mix. And you could, see, I love watching them while you were on, and they yeah. would come together, doubled over on these same memories. Yeah, it's cool. And then to say this, it's it's really it's just a comedy. You ever see Big Fish? loved it yeah and that to me was a commentary on his own movie making experience 
Oh, Where wow. it's like, these stories, real or not, doesn't matter. At the end, he's like, oh, these what? that was a giant. Yeah. Just make up? He was just talking about his own way of making stories. Yeah. He, he's a storyteller. That's really cool. Tim Burton. And like, yeah. this is his legacy, pretty much. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. After that, I think it was like, I think you, f- you finished off now. I think now you're just going to make some movies. To make some money. Yeah. And they might be okay. They might be good. But I think that was like your opus. Yeah. That was um, so good. Yeah. Um, it was such a good movie. Yeah. And that's the CD. That's it. Uh, who was that at the end? Brenton Biddlecombe. Brenton Biddlecombe. Yeah. He was hosting that week? Yeah, he was such a cool... Poor Brenton, because Ren is Easy is like uh, way smarter and more savvy than me. Uh-huh. He was like, you don't want a check drop. They're not going to drop the checks when you're on stage. He goes, it'll ruin your CD. Yeah. He was like, I'll go get them going. And I was like, don't kill too hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to follow you. Yeah. And then he goes, then we'll just have Brenton close out the show. So after I did that hour, Brenton stayed up on stage for like 15 minutes while I could do the check drop. Oh. So I owe that kid huge. You know, somebody else does that too. Some guy we heard of when we were, not Bob Marley, but like someone like that who was like a headliner when we started. Yeah. Um, he does that. He lets his uh, merch guy come up and he does the last 15, 20 minutes. It's awesome. While this guy sets up well, merch, gr- but doesn't yeah. want the check drop. He's like, that's nothing to do with what I do. I'm giving them an hour. Yep. Don't fucking throw checks in the middle of yeah, it. Yeah, because the check drop stinks. Some clubs don't do it. And I I've know. been asked. They're like, well, what do you think about it? I'm like, what do you think about it? You know goddamn well it takes the it's, focus away. It's so the worst. So do you stand for comedy or money? And they're like, well, sometimes we have a second show. I'm like, okay, what about Thursday and Sunday? Yeah. And what about the late shows? You don't have it then, so yep. why do you still do it? Yeah. Because you care more about getting out of there and running status quo than really protecting the, art. the show. Yeah. It's up to you. Yeah. It's up it's, to you. I'll, I'll, I'm used to dealing with it. It sucks, but I'm used to dealing with it. Yeah. But it's up to you. And then some clubs do not. The stand yeah, like, in New York does not. That's all. I remember Judah saying that there was a petition. Judah was in the New one York. getting going. That's yeah. a club owner in Calgary asking about it. And I was like, yeah, I love it. I love it. It's the only petition I've signed in fucking eight years. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's a weird thing. Like, the best thing about stand up is for me is that we get to touch people, like you said, from all facets of life, come yeah. to a comedy club. But as a performer, I would like to experiment, experiment with like the theater environment where people are just so respectful and they're quiet and they. Mm-hmm. But then again, I think that would kind of take away some of the magic. You some know, of the there's, craziness. The yeah, there's like something you want super rowdy, fun about. Just not too rowdy. Yeah, and there's something just fun about walking up to a club. Everybody's got a beer, and it's like, mm. let's just let's sit back and enjoy this ride for, yeah. for an hour. I, I rather, when he did come up after you, I just thought it was a guy saying, thank you for coming, everybody. Have a good night. To me, that shouldn't be in CDs. Not that it ruins anything, and especially if he's doing 15 minutes, I get it. But like... Um, yeah, I didn't. It's almost like just let the applause go to the end. Yeah, well, I don't know why they let did it that. die out, and then if you want to get up, you can be like, "You guys, thanks for coming." Uh, yeah, they could have just ended out. it. Yeah, yeah. I, I used to go do that with Rogan. Would do an hour and kill, yeah. and then I'd go up to say goodnight, and I get right to the stage. Now I wouldn't take a foot on the stage. I would just get to the stage, and I realize like this show's over. Why yeah. am I going back? Yeah, no dumb. one needs any sort of more button nope. on this. Yeah, and I would just turn and walk back. I'm like, yeah. I'm not wrapping it up. The only time it works, like I was just, I did a two man show with Burn in Chicago not uh-huh. too long ago, and I was like, oh, I have to go out and let them know they can buy the CDs. Yeah, and That's give it. him time to go uh, get yeah, back ex- there, and like, so he can be there for pictures. Like, yeah, and, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he had to fight it. through the crowd. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, that's it, Simone. Dude, thank you for doing this. I'm excited you're finally putting a CD out. Me too. How many times did you record this before um, it worked? Well, there was, a year ago was the last time I got to do an hour when I was in Denver. Uh huh. I tried to record that just didn't work. The yeah. guy that came out to record it messed it up. Yeah. And I mean, that's been the story of my life. It's a thing too. It's like, you it try just, to just get never it works. Yeah. It never works. Especially the first CD. It's like, fuck. Yeah. 
Come on, just work. Yeah. Once like, you're at uh, somebody big's level, you just like you just hire somebody yeah, and they just do you it. You have right. a spare thousand dollars and you go, here's a thousand bucks. It's gonna be sold out. Oh, we didn't get it tonight. Here's another thousand. Let's do it next Let's do it weekend. Tomorrow. Yeah. Because I get to headline all the time. Like right. if, they, I, if I were headlining all the time, it, it's easier. Was it difficult to get used to uh, or prepare for doing an hour and five minutes? Um, uh, well, I kind of knew as I was working out the material what bits I could put in what order. But then you sort of realize, oh, there's certain similar topics or certain similar things in these bits that I thought were completely separate. Really, we do the same hour in the same yeah, act. Like, uh, you're like, oh. It's like, oh, that's the same laugh. Sam just had to tell me that. My manager, she, I was telling her some bit as she was seeing my new material. She's like, isn't that just the same thing but reworded as this bit in your old special? And I was like, N-. fuck. Yep. Yes. You got to be you. careful. That thank stuff. you. Yeah. Um, so that's it, Simone. Thank you very much for doing this. Uh, I'll tell everybody where to get it, but awesome. it's going to be called Remember This or yep. Remember... Remember This, I think. Okay. And um, and then your podcast is... Uh, good Times. Good Times. Yep. It's on iTunes and everywhere else you get yep, podcasts. iTunes, Stitchers, all that stuff. Great. All right. Thanks, Ari. You're welcome, man. Thank this you. This was awesome. Thanks a lot. Bye. Steve Simone, one more time, everybody. Great job. Debut CD, much like myself, waited way, way too long. This is not a case of Burt Kreischer, where it was clearly too early, but it's a case of someone who could have done this years ago. So when they say debut CD, it's really not, it's not, you know, by a debut guy. Um... Don't forget to go get it on iTunes. Uh, it's available right now for pre-order. Just order it now, and then it'll just automatically, magically appear in your inbox. And that's something you can remember when you get said. Inbox? I don't know. Just in your thing? iTunes? Come on, Ari. Use your head. Guys, i got to get high again. This, this Hawaii thing is just killing me. I, I don't know how I'm going to be able to get back to regular... Oh, can I start editing? Oh, New York... Oh, anyway, um, so that's the episode. Uh, yeah, go donate a couple bucks to Steve Simone. Awesome, AwesomeSteve.com um, is his website, and there'll be a link to the on my website uh, on how to donate to Steve. If you want to slide him a couple bucks for doing this, uh, we're going to do more of these. I already recorded one with Joe Rogan that will release, I guess, in two weeks, uh, the day his um, special comes out. Uh, and we're doing one of his album, uh, Shiny Happy Jihad. So, yeah, I guess that's it for this one. Very interesting. If you guys ever get a chance to go see Steve Simone, do yourselves a favor. It's a joy to watch, you guys. An absolute pleasure and joy to watch. You can sit there, stoned, unstoned, and just have a good old time. Yeah, he's great. You're never going to go wrong there. Unless it's a bunch of redneck hicks in the crowd, and you know it's awful, but like making that—that's could be for anybody. Um, you guys got to see this place, Maui. It's, everything is so nice. I swam with turtles, it's giant turtles, the size of like a baby Joey Diaz. No, no, that joke didn't have legs. Um. All right, let's let's end the episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, go slide Steve a couple bucks. AwesomeSteve.com. Uh, check out all the uh, music. 
and a way to donate to Steve. As always, on my website, AriTheGreat.com. For Steve Simone, I'm Ari Shapiro saying goodnight for Steve Simone's Remember This with Steve Simone. Bye. <laughs> Remember this, battered and broken for what they had spoken the year.